Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I've got bad news. I still have not been drafted in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft. Must not have put on a big enough show at Home Run Derby a couple (laughs) of weeks back. Scouts were there. Still waiting to hear my name called. Congratulations to Tyler Callahan. Had to wait an extra day, but got picked in the third round by the Cincinnati Reds. My father-in-law will be all excited about that. So, since it's the Reds, he's probably going to South Carolina then, right? <laughs> Why do you say that? I'm, I'm still a big Reds guy, obviously. Uh, I know you're not. Like, you're not afraid of the Reds, though. I'll tell you no, what, the I'm Reds, Reds, have Reds are been intriguing. Valiant effort by the Reds is in that division so far this year. Well, like, they, They're not supposed to be able to keep up, and they're only like a handful of games back, I think. Especially, too, this offseason, they kind of had some key additions. So they're they're on pace to try to win games. You yeah. know what I mean, they're, they're making the effort. They hit the reset button big time in their franchise, so... Uh, We'll see what they can do. I think, unless I've missed it, and I've just done a, a meeting, and I still haven't seen it, I don't think Hunter Barco has been selected yet in the uh, Major League Baseball draft. I'll, I'll look a little further, um, but uh, we'll see. And what that means is Hunter Barco is probably going to Florida, mm-hmm. even if he gets picked, when he gets picked. I think by this time, my guess is he goes to Florida. Uh, Tyler Callahan's going to be interesting. Uh, the money drops off in the third round, probably looking at, and I'm guessing here, the $930,000, I think, is the slot for the last pick of the second round for bonus money. So I'm guessing where he got picked, like six picks in, seven picks in to the third round, Tyler Callahan's probably looking at about eight hundred and fifty grand. So will that be enough to get him to go play pro ball, or will he go to South Carolina? I think that one's up in the air, uh, and I don't think he said anything yet. He did say tweet when he got picked it's it's awesome to be a part of the reds organization uh so maybe that means he is going pro uh and hunter barco i think now will end up at florida the biggest winner of the major league baseball draft at this point might be the florida gators sure because the gators now will likely get barco uh their number one left-handed guy and uh their their number one right-handed guy i think is a name matthew allen allen's his last name i think it's matthew and he got picked later than expected, too, which means he could forego the pro dollars instead of being a first-round pick or a top-15 pick and end up in Gainesville. So uh, Kevin O'Sullivan might have got very fortunate in the draft, and that's really why O'Sullivan's program has been so good the last five, six, seven years is because he has been able to figure out which guys might sign and play and which might end up going to the pros. Uh, they already had one of their commitments who's going to go. He's a top five pick, but uh, the Gators and Kevin O'Sullivan may have got to be the biggest beneficiary so far of the first couple rounds of the Major League Baseball draft. How does the draft work where, so say, okay, so Florida offered him a scholarship. Say that he chooses to go to the the Major Leagues for whatever reason. Does Florida still keep that scholarship they can offer to some other kid? Or do they just, okay, so then, but like, do they usually... Wait till next season? Well, to, uh, I mean, well listen, here's the deal. We're going to scoop up now. Florida has, now they can scoop anybody they want because they're Florida baseball. Okay. And so it, not anybody, but they can go get somebody. Or they can give it to somebody on their team that's coming in as a walk-on. Mm-hmm. Or they can distribute money. I think they can recalculate those kind of things. So the money just doesn't sit there. 
you got to remember, Florida, I think somebody told me the other day, Florida probably has about 50 guys on their baseball roster. You only get 11 scholarships to hand out. It's a lot of walk-ons, then. Well, it's a lot of, they also never get 100% scholarship. It's usually like 50%, 25%, 35%. So even if the 11.8 scholarships are dished out between, say, 30 guys, you still have 20 other guys that are probably just walking on. I mean, it, it's crazy. So, uh, and at the lower levels, it's even worse because I think there's only about eight scholarships uh, to hand out. They need more scholarships in college baseball. I don't think it will happen because of Title IX, but they really do need more scholarships for the amount of kids that play ball. Uh, there's not a lot of, the percentages are really low. Uh, for how much scholarship money there is. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Major League Baseball, especially to start the show uh, in the draft, because I think it's really get, you got to really love this stuff. But I think from a broad point of view, you look at the NFL draft and what's become. I think the NBA draft has a little intrigue. Are you excited about it, Coos? Is he even in there? No, he's probably working on stuff. He's but, not in there. You know, the NBA <clears throat> draft, because the lottery has intrigue. But the NBA draft is... I mean, I'm not sure it's a huge night. Yeah, guys have suits on and they get their names called and they, you know, go up there for pictures. But Mm -hmm. do you get excited about the NBA draft? I'm telling you, they should have the lottery and the draft the same night. Yeah, that's a good call. You said that, too. Yeah, because after the first four or five picks... I, unless the Bucks are up, I completely lose interest. And even when the Bucks are up, they're picking what? I think like 29 or whatever? Well, and I, it, I, don't, I don't care. In the NBA <laughs> draft, nobody cares outside of the top 10. Exactly. Once you get through the top 10, very few people care. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing the machine the football draft is. Because oh, just the, few just people the pageantry care. now, The though. difference between how many people care about the NFL draft, and I understand football's football right now, but even in the fifth round, people still care. But but you know why that is, Brent? Because those fifth round picks can make a difference as well. They can. They, yeah. they and, and you know what it is? They go right there and impact your team most likely. Mm-hmm. Now, how much is debatable? But in the Major League Baseball draft, hey, Tyler Callahan picked in the third round. He says, I'm going to go pro to Cincinnati. The next time I talk about Tyler Callahan in the big leagues, if he's fortunate to make it there and he, and he gets there and he does well, mm-hmm. might not be until 2024. And mm-hmm. that's not like... That's realistic. Mm-hmm. 2024, that might even be too soon. So it's really strange. And the, there's a big push right now. I mean, they could have done the Major League Baseball draft last night in my living room. And it would have <laughs> been just as exciting. Yeah. I mean, it would have been. Yeah. I mean, it's it's awful the way they no do it. No one's going to New York City. Very few no people. No one's putting on the ball caps. There's like, a couple yeah. of kids that went. My guess is they offered them something to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got the MLB Network set right there. And I think the MLB Network set is awesome. Uh, it looks like a baseball field. But, uh, you know, Rob Manford, the commissioner, said it. And the NCAA has to come on board with this. And that is you do it in Omaha at the College World Series. You make it a big deal at the College World Series, whether you shut down the World Series for two days, you do it right after, right before, however you want to do it, but you make it part of Omaha. And I think uh, uh, Major League, it's really not Major League Baseball that doesn't want that to happen. It's the NCAA, apparently, and it's silly, but they're concerned about the amateurism versus the professionalism part of it mixing together. And it's stupid. That's a dumb reason. Make it a big showcase. And really, college baseball is more important than ever in terms of getting guys to the big leagues, getting guys drafted. Look at all the college players who get drafted now. It's it's kind of this secondary minor league system um, for Major League Baseball. So uh, we'll keep our eye on some of the locals. J.C. Flowers, who played his ball at Trinity Christian. 
Now Florida State Seminole. He just got picked up uh, a short time ago. So I think we'll start seeing a lot of names. There are a lot of rounds of the draft. So over the next day or so, there will be some people with local interest uh, that will get picked up. Uh, the Gators had, had their shortstop drafted in the 44th uh, overall pick last night. Um, but it's pretty uh, pretty quiet on the front for Florida, Florida State. Uh, and Miami, again, baseball's kind of down in the state when it comes to uh, college baseball this year. Brett Martino, Austin Lane, Coos is back from Daytona. Coos just cruised around Daytona International Speedway with Kurt Busch. How was it? It was pretty awesome, I'll be honest Was it the with you. coolest thing ever? It was, it was pretty cool. How fast did you go? <sighs> 120. 120? 120. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and he got right up against that wall. There was, I was pretty sure we were 120. hitting that thing. You tell him to take the safety off a little bit and explore well, the, what were you, explore you, the were track. Were you in like a Toyota or uh, something like that? Impala, uh, yeah. You're in a Chevy Impala? Yep. Uh, I've done it a couple different ways. It, in, I feel like we were in a Toyota Camry one year, and I think okay. I think it was Kyle Busch, not Kurt. Okay. I think it was Kyle Busch. And I was so worried I was going to make that mistake. Dude, he, he <laughs> Kyle Busch that year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was, I've done it a couple of times, so okay, I, know I can't yeah. remember. But I think he went 160. And he was driving with one hand yep. on the high banks right up next to the wall. Well, yeah, he's talking to Stuart, and we're sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, pay attention. Like, don't hit that wall. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you been to Daytona before? I had been for the 500, but never, like— Have you been on the track? Not on the track. So, so even the, seeing how uh, vertical and—I mean— the, How uh, steep that yeah, is. You oh have, it's like it's like Augusta. Yeah. You can't feel the hills of Augusta and how, how hilly the Masters yeah. is— until you go there, and I think Daytona is very much like that. I mean, they call it the high banks for a reason, and it like you'll get an exercise, you'll get a workout. Yeah, walking up that thing, it's amazing that the the cars go two hundred miles an hour know, like that. I don't know how they even stay on it. Like like thinking about it, like physics wise, it doesn't make sense to me. But. Yeah, yeah, that's because you're not very smart, but, but I'm yeah. not either. <laughs> um, but it's it just obviously it's gravity. I think right, right. But even then, you have to have the speed. Like it's got to it's staying up there. You know, like the tires are, are holding on. And uh, well, you didn't get to go, Austin Lane. Got a you got to play daddy duty. You got a sick kid. How's got he, how's sick he doing, dude. man? He's uh, all right, man. You know. Uh, Watched a whole lot of cartoons today. We're, we're That's big, right up your alley. That's in your wheelhouse. We're big on Adventure Time. Well, I'm big into South Park too and stuff and Family Guy, but we can't watch those <laughs> yeah. quite yet. So Rona's fine, man. He watch, can flush yeah. that out. You yeah, can feel that language it. at school. I'm sure I'll be uh, getting a call in a couple weeks. Uh, no, we watched a lot of Adventure Time. Watched some Bubble Guppies. So you know the kind of the, the staples of any kids. Uh, we watched some Teen Titans. So one day when I get to interview Nick Foles, we can talk Teen Titans together. Cause I think his daughter is into Teen Titans as well. So I was wondering where you were going with that. And That's the, uh, where I was going the, with it, Nick and Foles. The, uh, the, the, uh, what's her name? He walked in with her at the uh, charity event you guys were at the other day. His daughter? Was it, I don't think it was his daughter. No, no, oh, no. His daughter. Savannah. Yeah. Savannah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's the one she was talking that's about. Oh, my bad. That's yeah. right. That's right. Then I'm way off. That wasn't his daughter. No, no, that wasn't his daughter. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, no, no. That was uh, um, Savannah from Tom Coughlin, J Fun Night. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then he's watching Teen Titans with her. Well, he, he, they bond, the Kuz was saying they're bonded because. Yeah. I think he he knew they were about talking, it. You know, yeah, they were talking about it in the line, and then she got too nervous kid. to go down by herself, so he picked her up and brought yeah. her. Gotcha. Yeah. So right. what, that's an interesting deal because obviously my kids are fourteen. Yeah, Ronan's four. He's four. Uh, so like when we were watching cartoons like that at their mm-hmm. like at two, three, four years old. It was um, like the Wiggles were popular, but they weren't yep. like crazy into the Wiggles. It was like right on the other side of the Wiggles. The yeah. Wiggles probably were a few years before them. Um, 
it, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Is that still that's, a thing? That's still huge. That's yeah, a thing? we were we were doing the hot dog dance for a hot while. Dog, hot dog, you know, hot dog, hot dog. I don't even know. I've had it ingrained yeah. in my mind for you the past you two never years. Lose it. You never lose it. I haven't uh, watched that in twelve years, and I can so sing it. We we probably gone about a year now <laughs> without watching that, um, and I'm not complaining by any means. But you know, like we had Sesame Street for a bit. I mean, so Sesame Street's the kind of like the go to. Is it still? Oh yeah. I mean, so it's, it? on, it's on HBO now though. It's not a public broadcasting, so you got to pay Sesame for that. Sesame Street's on HBO. Yeah. So you have to pay for that subscription, man. <laughs> and like I was watching Game That's of awesome. Thrones, so we, we had that at our disposal. But now that Game of Thrones is gone, might have to cut Sesame the cord on Street that, huh? might have to be illegally downloaded on some uh, <laughs> on Reddit or something like that. Just illegally streaming Sesame Street, waiting for the FBI uh, to come through my door. What now? What ones did you watch as a kid? Like when I was a kid, it was the Smurfs and it was oh, Gummy dude, Bears. I watched Terminator and, so, and Scooby Doo. So I used to live. With, I mean, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Right? It was me, my mom, and my grandparents. And uh, my mom always had to work, so it'd be me and my grandma hanging out at home. And we used to go to a local grocery store, the the local IGA, and I could pick whatever movie I wanted as long as that, like the cover of it, you know, like the old old yeah, DHS yeah. looked okay. So I was picking Terminator. I was. Picking Predator because like the covers look unassuming. I swear, I swear, man. And I would throw them in the VHS because my grandma had any idea what like the rated R meant. So we'd get the, the VHSs, and I was like seven or eight years old watching Terminator all the time. Man. That's where I went wrong with Ty and Kaylee. Yeah. No wonder why they're not going to be six six two forty five. You have to grow up on Terminator and, and Predator. And true story, I'll never forget the first movie I ever cried to. Terminator Two. I was eight years old, and uh. at the end when he puts his thumb up and goes in like the molten steel, I cried, dude. It's right. sad. I can't talk any more movies or ca- cartoons. We're talking football when we come back. <laughs> Big day of football next on ESPN 690. Little Einsteins. My wife Little told Einstein's? me about that one, too. Oh, that yeah, that yeah. was a big one. Yep. That was actually probably like the biggest one. That was, that was a solid one. Kuz, um, what were you watching as a kid, man? A lot of Barney. Yeah? Oh, really? Yeah, Barney, Don't I mean, figure. Barney. I, 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 had a Barney I never understood the love affair with Barney. What's up with Barney? What's, what's what you against Barney, man? I just never what's got up? it. Like, how does a purple a dinosaur... Baby Bop, too. Yeah. Rugrats, pretty good one, right? Rugrats, SpongeBob was a big one that I was into. Never seen an episode of SpongeBob. Oh, man. See, the thing with SpongeBob, though, you're not learning anything. No, not at no. all. It's not really educational television. Like at least with Barney, like you learn how to be respectful. I and was big into uh, the Land Before Time. I know that's a movie, but I yep. watched that like on repeat. Okay. What What about the dinosaurs? Uh, the baby one creeped me out. Oh, uh, Junior. Yeah, it freaked uh, me out. Junior man. was the dude. Yeah. My sister was a big Casper fan. Okay. As a kid, um, you know, you know, we had obviously Sesame Street was big, mm-hmm. and Mister Rogers was yeah. big. Yeah. Um. But the one that I actually really enjoyed that, I don't know when it went away, like you probably never even heard of it, was Electric Company. I was just going to say that, Electric Company. So Like, I don't even I know, know why I like it, other than I remember, hey, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's what I remember yeah, about I it. I remember but, the, the theme song, but it was just, like, I just missed on Electric Company. Cool. Um, so there we go. All right. Okay. Again, I said enough cartoons. Let's get to football. Yeah. Uh, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos is back from the track. Uh, Stuart Weber was there too, so they'll join us, and we'll have some sound from inside the vehicle. 
going 120 miles an hour around Daytona International Speedway, which, by the way, is like going, that's like a school zone for Daytona International Speedway. <laughs> it sounded like 120 when, miles an when hour. we were st- standing there watching the car go around like before us, it sounded like an airplane was going by because of like the wind resistance on the car. <laughs> it was dang. wild. That's cool. Um, all right, so good stuff. We'll get down. Uh, all of it uh, leading up to the Coke 0400, the July race, really, just a, a month away, and it's the last one. They're pushing it back because of the calendar uh, in NASCAR now. But let's talk some football. Big day of football ahead. Uh, Quick thought on a couple of things. We had Jimmy Smith yesterday, today, caught up with Keenan McCardell, and he will join us, uh, or that conversation, uh, later on, 525, as we remember and talk about and celebrate the Jaguars' 25th season. We'll have a Jaguars player on uh, once a day. Uh, here in the month of June. At least that's the plan. (laughs) We'll also give away a $100 gift card once again, Smoothie King, uh, one more time today, and then we'll have some different establishments the rest of the week. And we are going to Houston and Tennessee today. It's AFC South time as we continue to take a look, a way too early look at the Jaguars' schedule in 2019. Yesterday, Adam Teicher from uh, Kansas City joined us, and today, John Harris from Houston, and Steve Lehman from Nashville, Tennessee. Quick thought on that. How important will it be, you think, for the Jaguars? If you look at their schedule, they're home against Kansas City, they go on the road, Houston, then they've got the Thursday nighter against Tennessee. Forget about Denver in that fourth game, but those three games, I mean, you really, you it could be a variety of things, right? You could see Okay, I don't think it's unrealistic to see an upset, what I would call an upset right now over Kansas City. It'd definitely be an upset, I think. I I also think I could see them beating Houston in Houston, although Houston has been a pain in the butt um, more than people want to give credit to just because the Titans have been more of a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously the Titans are the Titans, even though I think of the three games, that's the easiest one because it's a Thursday night home game, and I think the advantage is so big. But it could be 3-0. Two and one, one and two, oh and three. I mean, you could really make the case for all of them. I, it's not just it could, but you can make the case for all of them, especially based on off last season's performance, um, which is a dangerous thing to well, do in predicting. Well, no, no, I, and I, I agree with that. But listen, <laughs> in the NFL, yeah, but the Titans have always had the Jaguars number the past couple of years. It seems like um, it does help that it's going to be at home. But you have to be a little bit weary uh, picking the Jaguars against the Titans. Uh, Kansas City is a team where last, and I hate the, I'm not going last year, but last year the Kansas City Chiefs were good. Now we're not sure how that defense is going to be this year, but they're a team that has never really relied on their defense too much. Uh, Tyree Kill's still up in the air as well. If Tyree mm-hmm. Kill does come back and plays, uh, that's uh, that's one of the biggest weapons in the NFL right now in Tyree Kill. So if, if everyone comes back full strength, yeah, that's going to be a hell of a game as well. And then Houston, Houston's intriguing to me because I feel like Houston, from a wide receiving standpoint, and we'll talk about this later today when we, we have a caller call in, but I think Houston, if they can stay healthy, probably has one of the best wide receiving cores in the entire NFL, hands down. Um, you got Kiki Kuti, who really came on uh, towards the last you know, part of the season. Will Fuller is good if he's healthy. And then Hopkins, you know, is probably one of the top five uh, wide receivers in the NFL. So I think they have weapons. They got J.J. Waters defense. That's yeah. interesting you feel that way. And, and I, I bet folks in Houston would say the same thing. I was really mm-hmm. looking at Houston's roster today, and it's an interesting one mm-hmm. uh, because it's unproven. Those guys, you might... You're right. They have well, potential. It's, it's based off potential. But it's yeah. more potential than proven commodities outside mm-hmm. of Hopkins. I mean, Hopkins, you can argue, well, is the best guy in the Fuller, game. For when Fuller's healthy, the Fuller's put some pretty big numbers he himself, has, especially when Hopkins was out. But, but he hadn't been healthy a but lot. But it hasn't been healthy. And yeah, also, and that's the biggest you, thing. Are you concerned about receivers against this team? 
And yeah. see, that's the thing. See, that's my comfort zone. And in this division, that's a nice comfort zone to have because we will talk Tennessee. See, I think Tennessee's receiving core is interesting. I mean, they have trucked. Yeah. They are just but about as it's oh, talk about potential. unproven, though, Brent. Unproven potential, yeah. but it's interesting. They've surrounded him with some names now. Mm-hmm. And But again, I'm not worried about receiving cores against this defense. But let's let's be honest. So last year, I mean, if we're going by the same principles that they're playing the same defense from last year, what was the big killer last year for, for teams to play the Jaguars? The, the slot, the, guys, the slot right. guy. Well, Adam Humphreys for the Titans, yeah. and you got Kiki Kuti for the Houston Texans. That would make you a little nervous as well, providing yeah. they play the exact same defense. But, and just think, the reason why it, it, I've got uh, the ability to say I'm not worried about receivers is not, not just because of what the Jags have on defense, but what they've done. Think about what they've done at times against Pittsburgh. Here, Pittsburgh, although they scored a bunch of points in that sh- playoff game, I mean, those were incredible plays just to even make a play. And that mm-hmm. game was out of whack and out of hand, so it's a hard one to, cha- to judge. But this, I mean, you talk about what that, those were, that receiving core of Pittsburgh, those couple of years and, and the three games that the Jaguars played, and I liked what the Jaguars did. Now, Antonio Brown was always going to get some. DeAndre Hopkins is going to get some. I mean, it's the one guy, really. Those are the two guys in the NFL that Jalen Ramsey even admits, hey, I'm going to win some battles. They're going to win some battles. Mm-hmm. And Jalen doesn't admit that to anybody. No. But those guys are so good, you know they'll win some battles. But I just like everything else around for the Jags' defense. I, I don't. I think there are question marks if you want to dig deep on the Jags defense. That secondary, not a lot of them, other than probably uh, Jared Wilson playing in center field. And then we're, we're talking about Week Four going to Denver. Which listen, Denver's not an easy place to play whatsoever. And you're going to go against a team that wants to run the ball down your throat, kind of like the Jaguars wanted to do last year a little bit and the year before that. So that one's going to be a physical game in Denver as well. I mean, they got Philip Lindsay, uh, Royce Freeman. You know, kind of like the one-two combo. So that's going to be a hard-fought game as well. So you, you want to go into Denver at least with a winning record. Interesting style. See, that's what I look at more so, the style, right? Kansas City, what would you call You'd call more finesse. You have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, you have, have yeah. to. Yep. Houston, I don't know. I mean, is Houston's Houston feels more finesse, but their defense makes them kind of tough, so mm-hmm. it's... They're in between to me. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, we know what they are. You know what's right? going on with you're, that. you're in for a battle yes. in the trenches. Yep. You always, They always have been and always will be, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And then Denver kind of feels that way, too, right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have Emmanuel Probably Sanders who's always been Tennessee. a burner. Yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has always been the burner, but he's coming off a pretty serious knee injury. Corlin Sutton's showing some pretty good promise. But let's be honest, the Denver Broncos want to run the football. That's what they were doing last year. That's what they're trying to continue to do this year. Hey, Star Star 690, the way to call the show. South Beach Gary uh, calls in early here on a Tuesday. What's happening, man? Good afternoon, gentlemen. The song of the day, first of all, will be Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Okay, well, I can dig that. Yeah, as little as you know about music, Bram, I'm sure you know that. <laughs> I'm growing here, Gary. Get him. growing. A couple of thoughts, guys. First about the MLB draft and then a football thing. The MLB draft, I agree, Bram, would be better in Omaha, but the fact is it's different than the NFL and uh, NBA. In fact, you pretty much know the top players of those two sports, whereas baseball, there's so many high school players drafted that – you know, I'm a big MLB fan, but I don't know a high school player from, yeah. no offense, True. Austin from Wisconsin or Michigan, <laughs> how good they really are. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know the college guys, but you don't know how, you know, these high school guys from Adam. Yeah, that's a fair point. And uh, the, the college football, and finally, they've entered into the 21st century. They've got a commissioner, a person of color, going to be a, a commissioner of one of the big five uh, uh, uh 
college conferences. The NFL could do a lot better, but percentage-wise, major college football guys, let's face it, has done a terrible job of representing the men of color, hiring men of color in, in, in responsible positions, meaning uh, commissioners, presidents of universities, head football coaches, you know, compared to the NFL. They need to start doing a lot better, start developing these guys in college so they they can have a chance possibly in the future to be NFL coaches. But uh, I can't believe it took this long to finally have a commissioner, a black commissioner, in, in major college football. Thanks, guys. All right, South Beach, Gary. Boarding to run. We got to run. We're going to run to a break. Uh, a couple of thoughts on what Gary said. He's talking about Kevin Warren, Viking COO, is uh, going to be named the next Big Ten commissioner. Uh, so, And the Jaguars uh, have signed Dayton Jones from All Green right. Bay. Let's talk about it. I figured you were showing me Boy, that's breaking news. Well, you know what? That's an interesting topic. Jaguars signed a defensive tackle. Three technique? Yeah, on a 3-4 defense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they're not playing it, so it doesn't matter, right? Reports about the Jaguars' latest signing, what it means. And also, uh, South Beach Gary brought up a good point. Uh, Is college football taking too long to... uh, to get to more minorities in big positions. And by the way, they need a commissioner, a commissioner commissioner in college football. We'll talk about it next. You know, I cleaned my uh, inbox out about an hour ago because I probably for the last two months have been flirting with a full mailbox. And today finally went full, you know, and I'll delete whatever 200 emails and it will clean it up but there was obviously a couple of big chunks in there that i was missing mm. i feel so much better just refreshing huh you can tell like i'm ocd about things because yep. if i feel so much better about cleaning my inbox <laughs> yeah totally now listen i, I didn't even like you know. this wasn't like a spring cleaning this you, was just like a small cleaning that's cool i'll stick with my thirty nine thousand three hundred seventy nine emails that i have right now and just keep living life dude here's the Probably. That is disgusting. Did it stress you out a little bit? Like, are you stressed out for me? No, you, you know, what's amazing is, like, you do, like, Coos is worse at checking his emails and stuff than you are. Oh, I'll check them. I just don't delete them. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't bother me. Like, I have about 80,000 pictures on yeah. my phone. I just so. can't let go. <laughs> That's true. That's there's true. about 35,000 sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> you think Brett's got an issue with some sunsets or what? Holding, going on sunset pictures. Hashtag battle of the sunsets, man. Join the fray. <laughs> yeah. Someday, I, mean, I don't know how yet, but I'm getting rich off battle of the sunsets. I just haven't figured out how. <laughs> it's See, going what happens when I delete my emails, though, or or delete them out of my deleted box so that I officially have the room again, I'm worried that I'm going to need to go back and reference one of those emails. So for like at least a week and a half, I'm kind of stressed out about it. Yeah. Well, I, I now I just say I don't give a. <laughs> what Ben Reed said. Yeah. Um, so I, I, now I just don't care. But I, I'm a lot like that. I don't like to delete stuff because of that. Yeah. Because I know the second I delete it, three days later, I'm going to need it. Sure. Uh, so That's, well, why do I think I have 39,000 emails? I might, I might need one of those one day. <laughs> Good luck going back and finding Come, it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that in the keywords <laughs> or something. Yeah, like a, a J- Penny spam email. Yeah, don't exactly. delete it. Might need it. Yep. For All sure. right, a couple of things. Uh, give us the news on the Jaguars. Who'd they sign uh, Dayton from Green Bay? Jones, yeah. So, well, this is according to Field Yates. Uh, the Jags haven't made it official. Yeah, well, it's yeah. according to Field Yates via Dayton Jones's agent. Okay. Um, drafted in 2013. 
2018, I believe. And this is kind of going back my memory, but my friends tell me here. Uh, he was out of UCLA. Uh, was like 280. And the Packers ran a 3-4 defense. So uh, you consider him kind of a tweener. Wasn't big enough to play the 3-4 defensive tackle and wasn't really you know lean enough to play outside linebacker spot. So they put him, I believe, his first year at uh, – they put him at – defensive tackle and then like you know like in the rush packages then he played kind of everywhere well they didn't like what he was doing so they made him cut weight and then he played outside linebacker well you had julius peppers and clay matthews so i think he got down to like 260 270 played outside linebacker didn't really fall you know didn't really do that well and then um got released and then spent some time with other teams now i think one of his latest stints was in dallas where he played uh three technique um and that would be in a four three and now, so like it all depends what his weight is because in Dallas, he was, I think, on the bigger side. So he played defensive tackle. And I would assume that the Jaguars are going to bring him here to play, you know, defensive tackle as well. But this is a guy who has Dom Capers connection. It's, it's a guy that's played in Dom Capers defense in Green Bay and uh, unfortunately didn't really work out for him there. Okay, what are the Jags doing at this spot? What what are they searching for? Because if you think about it, it was Corey Legit, right? That he was yeah. in. There was there was a small thought about Gerald McCoy. Small thought. I, I don't think that ever was happening because of the dollars involved. But I, I think when people said likely chances or possibilities, I think the Jags were floated around in that. Uh, you know, is this they have Taven Bryan and going back to a little bit of our Taven Bryan talk from last week, Taven Bryan, when I interviewed him. And when the Jags talk about them, they're still messing around with them at that big end spot. They're not just three techniquing with yeah. him. So I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it up. Uh, which is interesting to me. I, that was the biggest surprise when I interviewed Taven Bryan. I thought that experiment was over. Yeah. So there, there are some folks, I mean, uh, if you pay attention to Jaguars Twitter and, and some people throwing it out there, uh, could even Calais move inside more often than he has been in the past, which he's played both. So, I mean, yeah. he can do both. But what are they doing on that side? What are they doing with that big end and that three technique? And what are they searching for? What don't they have that it feels like they don't feel good about it? Or good enough about it. Well, yeah, and it's it's a little surprising because we've heard from a couple players about like how, how Dwayne Smoots kind of showed up, add some weight on too, um, and that's a guy you can kind of see playing that three technique, probably more the five technique uh, where Calais is. He's at. probably more behind Calais. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think. But he's on. It's about unproven. Well, Juan he, Smoot he, he, hasn't he, done anything. No, but I understand that. But you have a guy here like Dayton Jones who he's. Yes, I think he has to be brought in for that three technique because he's never played uh, Clayus' spot at that big at the big defensive end, and it's a guy who didn't really benefit from uh, playing in a three four defense or anything like that. So I guess all you can say is it's going to be the three technique. But then, what are you saying about Taven Bryan? Well, that's so and that's my point uh, yeah, of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not really about this guy. It's just it seems like the Jags are missing something in their in their, in their building on that defensive line, that mm-hmm. front. Where, where, by the way, the deal is you want eight guys. You want to be comfortable with eight players yeah. for rotational purposes on your defensive front. If you have a great defense, you feel like you get away with six. Mm-hmm. But you want seven or eight. And eight's tough to do, but you want seven or eight. And this is different than, you remember like back with the middle linebackers, it all came in at the same time. There's like three or four on one day. The Jaguars brought them all these linebackers from different places. Uh, and you know that was more of a special teams kind of thing. But this is a defensive tackle. So special teams isn't really the no. thing. So 
they have to have some kind of vision of what they plan on doing. And I understand it's, it's it could be depth purposes as well. Yeah, that's what it is. But, uh, but and, and I'm not sure what the contract three is. Three weeks. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not sure what the contract is. But um, you know, it, it kind of leads you to believe a little bit where maybe they're not uh, completely sold yet on, on that three technique spot, which would be a Taven Bryan, Marcel Darius um, type spot. Well, yeah, I, I'm just. Are you surprised that uh, they haven't just committed to Taven Bryan in the three technique spot and said? Forget about this big end, or they just—it's yeah. the more you know. I mean, every, every, it's offensive line; they'll shuffle guys around. Yeah, uh, defensive line—you you want to be versatile, I, and so maybe it's just part of that so, plan. Yeah, to be honest, um, I am, but I'm not. So, like his rookie year, I was surprised because here's a guy that's coming from Florida, has never played the big end spot, doesn't really have time to really get a feel for the position with, you know, uh, OTAs preseason and the regular season. So I don't think he had uh, he had time to get enough reps to play that big five spot. Um, and then on top of that, he's got to play the three technique as well. So he, he kind of know both of them. Uh, going into your first year isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. Now coming into this next season, now that he's got a couple reps behind his belt, he's kind of felt the game speed a little more. He knows how strong these guys actually are. Now I think he's more Burst to actually learn that spot, so I'm not as worried um, if he was to be out in that five technique spot. Because let's be honest, and heaven forbid, I'm knocking wood right now. But if Clayus Campbell goes down, I mean, who, who's taking that spot? Yeah. You know, you, you have to have guys for depth purposes. Samuels have to cross train them. Oh, and especially too with I mean Clayus, who's who's up there in age and everything, who's had. Great seasons, but I think they're going to try to want to spell them a little bit too. You know, especially in the, in the base packages sometimes, um, uh, and some, sometimes even pass rushing. Well, that was the plan last year. That's yeah. why they had moved Taven Bryan over there to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. If you could rest them, especially considering they thought they'd be good and playing into January. Exactly. Hey. But but I mean, any time that you can have, and that's what you said, right? You said eight guys, and that's the most important thing. And you look at all great defensive lines um, in the NFL; they have that seven to eight guys where they can just keep on rotating and rotating. That was a big thing in Detroit. In Detroit, we never got, and not to say Detroit was an, an elite defensive line when I played, but they're pretty damn good. And in Detroit, we never probably saw more than six or seven reps um, in a game, you know, at one time. And then we send in the, the subs or send in the starters again. And I think that's the way you got to do it because if you have guys that are tired, uh, that's definitely a liability regardless of how good they are. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm going to ask you this uh, in a bit, but think about it and think about it out there. If you're driving, you're always welcome to call Star Star 690. Um, and, and chime in on the social media platforms, too. Could the Jags benefit most from a from a surprise year in a good way from these three positions? Taven Bryan, three technique, weak side linebacker in place of Telvin, or Jared Wilson at the free safety spot? Which would help them the most? If you could pick one position to have a really good year on their defense— which one would you would you don't they, you have the answer say, now? Say it, say it again, real quick, so I have. But which which could they use a surprise, very good breakout kind of year from of those three guys slash positions? Because quite frankly, we don't know who's going to play that weak side linebacker spot just yet. So I'd put a position on that. But I say Jared Wilson and uh, also Taven Bryan. Throw them in the mix. So those three you can A B C. You can pick from. Which one would you pick to say, I need that guy to have a breakout year and this defense going to be even better than anybody thought? Hey, one, I want to get this in. Uh, South Beach Gary brought up minorities in college football. 
Here's a report out of uh, Indianapolis from last year. Whites held 86% of AD positions at Division I schools for the 2016-17 season. 87% Division II, 93% Division Three. Women made up just 11.2% of Division I ADs, although that was up a couple of percent from the previous year. Yeah, college sports, not just college football, college sports, they need more minorities involved in leadership spots. Absolutely. And I think there's a big push for women to be involved, too, and that's rightfully so. Uh, but from head coaches to athletic directors, uh, just like the pro sports, uh, not enough. Not enough progress has been made um, in that uh, from that standpoint. Hey, when we come back, talking more football, uh, Roger Goodell's latest on the 18-game season. What do you think about it next on ESPN 690? I'm NASCAR champion Kurt Busch, and you're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brett Martineau and Austin Lane. Coos did everything right except edit it. <laughs> it always does that to me. I got to fix that. That was good, Coos. You were doing a little extra work today. Nice. Got a I, little mean, idea. You know, I can't take any of that credit. That was all Stuart. <laughs> that was Stuart. Yeah, oh yeah. Of course. Of course. Can we get the young guy to think on his feet a little bit? He was too busy. Uh, think about the show. Catching all that speed, man. Take it Going to 120. Man. Yeah, do doing Periscope. Gram. Exactly. Oh, by the way, I think I saw a video of the of you. Who? So, did you go by yourself, or did you and Nick go together in the same? Stuart, Nick, and I all went together. All together, we were on the car. So, where were you in the? Oh front yeah, I'm in the back of that shot. I'm making a debut tonight. So you're in the back seat. Oh yeah. Okay, but the video I saw on the ESPN 690 Twitter handle—that's from my perspective. That's your perspective. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to teach you all a lesson right now. Okay? School's in session. And this is... I have a this feeling makes, Stuart already talked to this me about this one. This makes no sense why you people do this. There we go, you, you people. people. I you have people. a reason, but I'll let him finish. It makes no sense. I can't sense. believe you know what he's talking about. If you take video, do not hold the phone up and down. Hold it horizontal, not vertical. Why, you know what? Because you then you don't get the the wings of b- the black wings on the side of the like, video. Yeah, for for TV purposes, it's not going to be the whole thing. But here's the thing: <laughs> when I took it, I was thinking this is going to look perfect on my Instagram story because Instagram yeah, is vertical. And, but, and Instagram sucks because of that. Yep. Yeah. It, no, it's I dumb. Agree. Like you can't. Like now, I find right. out. See, I'm I'm new to the gram. Yeah. Well, you're not cool. Yeah. Because I'm not the cool one saying calling it the gram when I'm forty something years old. But okay. I, but I've been new to the gram. And so I've been D- using let's it. not say that ever again, bro. Uh, yeah, I've been new to the gram. And uh, I'm not, but all of a sudden, like, the reason I like Instagram is that if I put something on there, it will also link right to Facebook. Yes. So I like that part of it. But unlike Twitter, where if you if you link to Twitter as well, you still have to open up Instagram yep. on Twitter. Yep. So I, I can kill a couple birds with one stone, is my point. See, but the other the thing video, was, But the pictures still look terrible on Instagram <laughs> because of that stupid, like, who well, does yeah, come the on? Actual, that, but, no, but here's the thing. Not many people are posting to the timeline anymore. Like, what you do in terms of video on Instagram, you put a picture. Like, I put the, the selfie I took. Okay. And then you go swipe right, which is on the on the photo. You go to the next one to see the video of, the, of us going around, which then, yes, you do have to pick w- what square part of that you want. Well, yeah, because of some of it... Will get cut off because some the top and bottom will get cut off yes. yeah, yeah which is dumb 
best but decision I've ever made. Story looks Instagram. great, but that's a that's a problem with Instagram. Like Instagram needs to fix that. I've made the right decision by not getting Instagram. I can tell <laughs> just hearing you guys talk about this. I'm like, I'm I'm all set. But, I'm good. Listen, I, I'm I'm being serious here though. I'm being I serious. I do I'm not good. get why people, other than your Instagram excuse, there's really no other reason. Turn the phone sideways, people. Turn it sideways. It, it's uh, it's so bothersome. Hey, you saw what I did for the, the wrestling interviews at, at Vegas. Have, and I had hey, to turn it sideways. But I guess uh, I gave you, you a little warning. Have. Yeah, I think you did. If you want to be on SportsCenter Top 10, hmm. if you want to be on CBS yep. 47 and Fox 30, Good tips. it is easier and better if you turn the phone sideways. But there's got to be some like kind of app that can do it automatically, right? Well, I mean, it's 2019. No, because the dimensions aren't going to work. It wouldn't, yeah, so you'd, it wouldn't yeah. mess it up. But it's two th- and by the, and for us, the, the reason why it's bad is because it's an extra step of editing. What you have to do, yeah, what, <laughs> you, what you have to do in that scenario is you put the, the shot and then you, the black bars in the background, you zoom way into it yes. and then you blur it out. Oh, yeah, I know oh, how yeah. That works. But that's an extra step, man. Oh, yeah, I know. But All it right. looked awesome on Instagram. How about just, no one just has Instagram anymore? How does that sound? I'm just trying to teach you a lesson. Yeah. And if you're taking video, which we appreciate the video, yeah. uh, you should turn it sideways. It, it, can I just stop calling it the gram too, by the way? Can I, can I just stop doing that? I'm in and out on the gram. Uh, <laughs> you're not I, listening, I, are you? Yeah. I, listen, I don't listen to you. <laughs> I guess I'm not. I'm not be told what to do. I guess not. I'm just trying to, for, for, from our listeners' perspectives, I'm just telling you to stop listen, saying the gram. we but. are doing, we are, we are... We are turning heads here on ESPN 690, okay? We, people are noticing some things. I can, I guarantee you. People are starting to murmur. They are. So we've got the video platforms, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, at um, Facebook, ESPN 690. Twitch. Oh, yeah. I have people ask, what's Twitch? I tell, tell them where to go. ESPN 690 Jacks. Yep. On YouTube, Action Sports Jacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter, at Brent A.S. Jacks. Nice. We have people from around the country. Figuring out what we're trying to ask. Hey, what do you guys do with all the video stuff? So yep. Wave to the camera right there. Yeah. Uh, so part of that is, you know who cares about the video platforms? The, the kids? The cool kids. Okay, okay just the, okay, so the cool kids. So we are talking to the cool kids on the show. Sure. And if we're going to be talking to the cool kids, then we got to get up with the gram. Bet. Bet is another thing. Well, I have, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. I'm like, bet. Yeah, totally. Uh, you don't say bet a lot. Sure don't, like no. Marcel Robinson says it all the time. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all set. Uh, but anyway, we got to be cool. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Hey, that's why you're supposed the contract, to be on the show. You're wait, supposed wait, wait, to be cool. When I said when I signed the contract, it's nothing about trying to be cool, nothing about promoting the gram, none of that. No bets. That was actually one of the most disappointing things I learned about you that early Instagram? on. Is that you don't have Instagram. So I, I promise. So here's what happened. Twitter and Instagram kind of came out at the same time. Instagram a little later. And when Instagram first came out, I checked it out. It was a lot of selfies and a lot of pointless stuff. It was a lot of people taking pictures of their food. And it was a lot of pictures of people standing in the mirror. Because back then, you know, you couldn't hit, hit your camera to have the selfie view. So it was a lot of people with their shirts off standing in the mirror. That hasn't and, stopped. I'm sure it hasn't, and and and, and I've been working out, so I've been taking and, a lot and of those. You know what? And I'm I'm all set on that. So uh, I made a promise to myself that I'd never get Instagram. No, no matter how much I would miss on endorsement deals and um, you know, like the whole social media following, whatever. Even to the point when I think I told the story before on the show, but when I went to Vegas for the UFC fight or for the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series fight, uh, they're like, "Hey, what's your Instagram?" I'm like, "Don't have one." Yeah, and never have, never will. He's like, "Okay, well, Not cool." But he's like, "You're gonna have to change that." I'm like, "Ah." 
ah, just I've never got him. He's like, no, you need to change. Like the, the the UFC PR guy, you do. He's like, no, you need to change it. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll get right on that by, by tomorrow. Um, yeah, never changed it. You, Instagram's so. probably the biggest one right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Dude. Okay, so here's the deal, right? I'm at actually Daytona and uh, killing a little time in between shows at Daytona, mm-hmm. February. It's it's labeled February 17, 2019. Okay, all right, and I'm lead. I'm reading a story. And so I wrote this down. And this is when I said, you know what? I got to be a little more active on the gram. Because here's the deal. Yeah. And this is a tip for all you aspiring radio oh, stars out there. Tell them. <laughs> We're still aspiring too. But so I read this line. And it's one billion hours of video are watched daily on YouTube. One billion. See, I don't watch any YouTube. But yeah. one billion hours. While Instagram users post more than 95 million pieces of content a day. Of what, though? A day. Of what, though? doesn't matter, man. They're yeah, there. It matters They're to there. Me. Like, with Twitter, at least, you're getting news. Like, you're getting breaking news stories. Like, we just found out about Dayton Jones off Twitter. Someone posted that on Twitter. I agree um, with that. If there's breaking news in the world, it's on Twitter. What are we learning on Instagram? How 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 many how many girls in the mirror can you see in a, in a day? Honestly, well, it depends how good looking they are. What else? Um, <laughs> the, but yeah, do you like money? Yeah, because Instagram I don't mind people just put stuff out there. They're influencers and they make a ton of money doing it. But is that's not a skill though? Is it? It doesn't matter. I'm just behind the times, I guess, well, man. You, here's the deal: I feel old. You can't you can't be. The, 31 years old and this old. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, so you, like, so you want me to freshen up a little bit? This, well, yeah, this to... is what's always bothered me about like sports broadcasting. Yeah. Actually, like, you know, in, in TV, guys will show like what they like instead of what people want to see sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even we get we're guilty of it in, in radio, probably too, or everywhere. It's like you talk about what you like, even though like I could talk about baseball all day, but I know everybody doesn't want to listen about baseball all day. Yeah. Uh, right. You got to know your audience a little bit or mm-hmm. at least pretend to know your audience. Well, the bottom line is here, this is way off topic, but we're, we're, we're learning. We're educating here. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I don't watch any YouTube, and I hardly ever go on Instagram. But you have But I just read to you that one billion hours of video are watched daily on YouTube, and 95 million pieces of content a day are posted on Instagram. Yep. And you can't ignore that. I'm not ignoring it, but I told you that I made a promise to myself. I've never got Instagram, and I'm sticking with that promise. So uh, you can call it being stubborn. You can call it, it being naive. Being stubborn. But I'll tell you what. Listen, we're trying. Listen, not, you, we're not, never not getting it. Well, you better get on with it, or I'm never getting that tattoo. No, that was never part of the deal, Brent. No. I, hate, I, hate, I hate to tell you, boss, but we, it wasn't part of the gotta deal. we got to get up with the times if no. we're going to be number one, and therefore the tattoo. Well, you, you didn't even know what Periscope was a, a month ago, and now you're telling me to get ahead of the times. I know what Periscope was. Okay. I'm all set. I appreciate it, though. Hey, this just in, everybody. Listen to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There's no doubt who the cool kid is oh, on this show. Okay, fine. I'll get Instagram. I'll take pictures of me working out every single day of my life. Let's do it. My name is Brent Martin. Riveting. The cool kid. Some football and NASCAR talk next on ESPN 690. We are going inside that car around Daytona International Speedway in just a little bit. We are going to talk Houston at 415, Tennessee Titans at 445, Keenan McCardell at 525. So a lot to get to. That's McCardell, right? McCardell? McCardell. Okay. Dude, you're getting a Dell? Okay. Got it. Just checking. I Noted. told him I told him the story today. He laughed. He thought it was pretty funny. Well, he thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you didn't. 
Ah, it's whatever, right? We're all good. It's all good. <laughs> I wasn't too worried about it. Bigger fish to fry that night with trying not to get punched in the face too much. At, that's that's the beauty of MMA quick. You know, like yeah, you get over whatever happens. You get over it real quick because I'm knowing in a couple hours I have to go get punched in the face. So that's all I'm kind of focused on. So if I mispronounce someone's name wrong, I apologize. I'm trying my best here on the radio. I'm still kind of green behind the ears. I'm still kind of new to the whole thing. But uh, I had bigger fish to fry. Well, not only that, but it sounded like you got punched in the face over the phone. Yesterday, <laughs> oh, I was and, done. And then I was like, "All right, man, Brett, you guys from here." There go those childhood memories yeah. of great oh, I times. Know. I know, dissipated. Yeah, uh, it was kind I of. Hey, I, I, man, you got all my questions. It. it was funny though. I had my questions lined up. I was going to ask them. Hit the X button. Went on to uh, see some <laughs> NHL news for the day. I was like, "Oh, well, that's the conclusion of this interview." Brent, take it away. That's funny. I was all good. Uh, well, I'm keeping you out of the Keenan McCardell one. <laughs> I got Thanks, him after I appreciate practice. it. Keenan no, was awesome today, but and he'll give us an update on. I asked him about every receiver on the roster. Mm-hmm. Quick little like scouting report. Yeah, and I, it was pretty good. So cool. uh, that's coming up at five twenty-five. And when you <laughs> said that you were going to interview him at, at practice or at OTAs today. I, you, if you rewatch the video, the, the sigh of relief that goes comes over my body. I was like, "Yes, all right, thank God." I don't worry about that one today. So uh, that's funny. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, before we get to the NASCAR and the trip around the track, yes, Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber now here, and uh, Stuart was down in Daytona today along with Coos, one of my favorite places to be. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I wanted to go too, but then I had the interview uh, sure. with Keenan McCardell, so uh, couldn't go. But um, and and it was okay. I want to ask you about this. 18-game season in the NFL. Roger Goodell kind of brought it up again. Mm-hmm. You former player, this is a good perspective. Listen, I'm all for it. I don't care if you guys get hurt or not. No, I'm just kidding. Appreciate uh, it, man. <laughs> I'm really just kidding. I, I. What are your thoughts on that? Because we all know, you know, players know this as much as fans know it, owners know it, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell knows it, that four preseason games are a joke. I mean, the Rams went to the Super Bowl last year, didn't even play their offense in in the four preseason games. Yeah. Preseason game number one is now a quarter exhibition. Preseason game number four is the most useless. I'd rather go watch a high school football game than preseason game number First four. First of all, well, I was a captain in the last preseason game for the Chicago Bears, oh, so that has some meaning to me. No disrespect. Kidding. Well, uh, a lot taken. But player perspective, or is there well, talk about it, or was there talk about it? Or last CBA time, I know there was. Yeah. So in the locker rooms, what are the pros and cons of playing 18 games in your your, your yeah. eyes? So it's funny, though, because Roger's campaigning that he wants to get rid of the like, two preseason games. I like how you know him on a first-name basis, Rog. I mean, Rod, whatever, Roger. Roger, Mr. Goodell. I'm going to call him Roger. No, I'm not going to. I don't work like for him. It. I, I don't work for him, so it's Roger. It. Yeah, I don't work for him. So Roger. So Roger comes out and says, listen, we're going to maybe get away with two preseason games. That's great. Fantastic. Because the preseason games, like four of them, waste of time. Kind of like you said. I completely agree with you on that. But, and this is what came first, was the preseason games. Well, you knew something else was coming then because that's a good thing for the players, but then he's going to drop something else that may not be the most beneficial towards players, and that's an 18-game season. Yeah, yeah, uh, I get it. The NFL makes a lot of money, and with two extra games, you make a lot more money. But you always preach that player safety is supposed to be the number one thing, whether it's you know um, shortening OTAs, whether it's uh, taking the real two-a-days away, whether it's only having one padded, padded practice during the week during the regular season. Uh, I get all that. 
But then how can you come out and say that player safety is the is the top goal here and then add in another two games? Because I would rather just see him keep the four preseason games and say screw the, the regular two-season two games because you know why? It's preseason, Brent. Those starters aren't getting a lot of reps. The NFL, it's a grind during the regular season. you know. And, and I've talked about that how many times on this show. If you add another two games, and I get it, the, the you know the money's got to be lucrative and everything, but unless you take some uh, big big strides to at least trying to get some kind of guaranteed money going, I don't see the NFL players going for it whatsoever. So you, it's interesting you bring up guaranteed money as being a part of it. I would propose the expanded roster part mm-hmm. of it, right? And and this has been talked about. I mean, for for now years, better part of a decade. Uh, the, the four preseason games don't make sense. And while I know there would be more money gained, the bottom line is I buy season tickets to the Jaguars and I get charged for those two preseason games, which are, yeah. you know, if you get the third one, it's not bad. But, you know, you're getting maybe one extra game. Yeah. And usually it's a half of football for what you're really paying for. so. But to be fair, Brent, it's, it's a great deal compared to some other NFL teams. Oh, what the you're Jags paying are. For. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying... When people buy season ticket packages yeah. in New York, Jacksonville, wherever, mm-hmm. they're still paying for that preseason game. Mm-hmm. So the owners are making the money up. That's why they want the total of 20 games. Well, it doesn't matter it, but, if it's 18 and 2 or 16 and 4. But let's think about it. It's the owners that want it. It's the NFL that wants it because then you get more fantasy football. You have more betting because true, when, when it comes true. to time the playoffs, um, yeah, they will make fantasy a lot football takes a decline. TV. It, exactly. So there's a lot more money to make everywhere. Oh, I just realized I should vote against this because I won't be on the sideline. Well, and here's what I want now. to ask you, Brent. Now, just I be on the sideline twice. I uh, <laughs> I gave you my That's position. Bad for Brent. Uh, I gave you my position as an NFL player where I think it would just be um, – it would be absolutely just idiotic because you're asking these NFL players who already play a long enough season to play two more games. What would you like to see if you're just a casual fan? And I get you're not a casual fan. I mean, you're in the business as well. But what do you think the casual fan thinks? You think, oh, yeah, we need two more games for sure in the regular season, baby. Let's fire it up. I really don't necessarily – I don't think – I don't have um, an issue with the 16-game season. Yeah. I think it's fine. I have the issue with the four preseason games. So if I had my pick – and that money wasn't an issue, which we know that's not the case, I would say, see you later, two preseason games. Who does that? Nobody does four pre. Heck, college football doesn't do one preseason game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but in high school, fair, they though, play like a football, But college football, everyone makes the roster. Not true. Yeah. True. But I, nobody does. I mean, heck, four preseason games to me in football is the equivalent of like two months of spring training in, in baseball. And there's already probably too much of that over a month. In mm-hmm. spring training. So I I think I don't care about the 18. I'd like to see the two. But that's not going to happen. But you have to have some. You've got to get the 20. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. To, to cut something, you got to add something, right? Yeah, and so and what, that's I where the add, two regular I don't mind your guaranteed games. money. Listen, whatever benefits the players, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I want to benefit for the player, uh, the fan, first of all, because we're consuming it and paying. And second, uh, not at the uh, expense of player safety, mm-hmm. but I think the players. That's it's a long season, man. Nobody defends how violent this game is more than me. Yeah. Uh, as no, someone who's never played it, you're I, very right. I, yeah. I, I tell you it all the time. So I respect the hell out of that. And so I wouldn't say go sign up for 18 games. I'd say expand rosters. If guaranteed money is important to you as a player, then I would say, okay, let's make that part of the deal too. Yeah. I, I think more money for the owners, more money for the players. Get a piece of the pie. But I do think expanded rosters solves a lot of the issues. But how does it solve a lot of the issues? Just so saying, I mean, 
because it's still two more games. Those starters, if they're trying to make a playoff push, still have to play the, the, the most in, in those games. That, that, that's why I'm so adamant about the guaranteed um, the guaranteed money because you think about it, say a guy, for whatever reason, a starter gets hurt week 17, week 18, week 9, well, however you want to go. Um, say he gets hurt and he's out for the season now and maybe it's like a career-threatening thing. I mean... He's going to lose out a lot of money. So yeah. if if I'm in charge of the CBA, you know, if, if I'm part of the players union and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to go on with this. Number one, if, if I'm the players rep, I'm not for this at all. I'm saying, no, we're not getting 18 games. Yeah. But I'm also willing to work with it. So to come to some kind of common ground, then I would propose that if a guy gets cut, if a guy gets injured and doesn't make a team, um, then he is guaranteed 70% of what he was uh, stated to make. And then you, you bargain from there and maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, and maybe, escalate. Well, and maybe it gets dropped down to 60 or so, but I would not go below 60%. I will say this from a media perspective. <laughs> I think preseason trips are more fun. They uh, are. You get one, more time in the You get more time city. in the city. It's usually yeah, a night game, night games, yeah. which we don't get many night games. Uh, it's usually <laughs> a night game, which is terrific. And the locker room after the game is never going to be sour. That's true. You can get you can get the pants beat off you in a uh, game like that, lose by 40. Yeah. They're still going to be okay. It's a preseason game. Yeah. I, listen, I think it's something needs to be Totally more, selfish uh, reasoning there for me. But there's, you know. I think we all bring up a, not your As points. As a player, I should enjoy preseason games too because they're, they're at night. They're, it's much more playing night games, man, for real. But if you take in the good of the sport in terms of the integrity, the product, all this stuff, and you take in the consumer, the fan, and the safety of the players, I really believe... The 18 game total is is the most is is the best model 16 and two, yeah. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. If we just said forget about everything, put everything aside, that's the best thing. 16 is like a a really good number. It's been effective. It works. We see different guys teams make the playoffs every year. Guys can get through a 16 game season, although it's still very challenging. You have to have depth because guys are going to get injured. The 18 games, I think, is probably a little bit too much. But the 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 biggest problem in the sport of the NFL right now, from a scheduling and the games and what we're talking about, is the four preseason games. Yeah, it yeah. is such. I listen. I think the great there are great stories out of that fourth preseason game. That's cool. They get to play, but from a consumer quality paying money standpoint, it's it's a waste of time. It's an it AAF just is. Game. Yeah, it, it really is. But it's it, not up to par with what the product is. Probably. 18 other times during the course of a year. Let me ask you this, though. So say you cancel the two preseason games, then are you going to shorten camp, training camp? I would be all for that, too, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't think they will, but I think I would be all for it. Yeah. Again, I mean, colleges go through five weeks of training camp and never play a game. Mm-hmm. They scrimmage a little bit more, yeah. but they don't play a game. All right, we got, we'll get back on that topic. And uh, Star Star 690, the number. We have to go to Houston in a little bit. Before we get there, we got to go to Daytona. Today, how was it? Kurt Bush giving you a ride. Coke ah. Zero Sugar 400. It's terrific. Yeah, uh, obviously I've done, I've done a few of these uh, ride-alongs. And usually I'm in work mode when I'm doing it. And so, like, I'm... You feverishly jump into the car and you're trying to set up GoPros and microphones and cameras and all that stuff to make it work for the TV purposes. Uh, it's a little more difficult than radio if I would have just put a mic- you know, microphone in front of them. Uh, so I'm feverishly doing all that stuff. And I don't want to say that takes away from the experience of the, the ride, yeah, but it does. It does. It it does. does. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're locked in. And then even when we're driving. And you're concerned everything's working. I'm, I'm making sure everything's <laughs> yeah. blinking. Everything's doing what it's supposed to do. And, and so I'm very locked into that that side of things. It's but, like many experiences, actually. People always say, oh, you got the greatest show. It's like, yeah, but you don't enjoy yeah, it like a fan. Like We right. don't enjoy the Daytona 500 like a fan or Florida mm-hmm. Georgia. Like, now, I'm not complaining. 
correct. It's just but a different experience. There are elements of it to where you, you while you're doing your work, while you're thinking of the next question, you're like, wow, he just took us up into the high lane towards the wall. <laughs> and that was the really cool moment. You'll hear it when we played the, the, the ride along. You know, he took us all the way up to the, the turn two where he made the pass. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool, Kurt. I like that. That's yeah. not bad. Um, so, uh, you know, anytime I go into that building, I just have great feelings, great vibes, though, from a childhood of going to races there year after year. So, well, any uh, what's a big topic uh, with that moving? Is it? It's gonna. I mean, listen, we're talking yeah. about the Firecracker Four Hundred. You talk about tradition at it Daytona. Yeah. I know Daytona Five Hundred, but that summer race has a ton of tradition to it, and they're mixing that up. Yeah, people are going to be upset about that, sure. Uh, but now the race is going to be more significant, if we're being honest, because it moves to the last race of the regular season. It is the last race yeah. before the chase starting next year, which means anybody can make it into the chase if they win Daytona, and as we know. Anybody can win Daytona, yeah. Uh, which Kurt Busch did have a great bar- uh, barb about that where, when they talked about how it's moving to that last cutoff race. He's like, yeah, I guess we all got to watch out for Ricky Stenhouse now, uh, <laughs> wow. known as a more aggressive driver on the super speedways uh, who will wreck you and try to win. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ricky. as he's also known. Uh, Shots fired. Well, yeah, also it was. It was formerly good. Danica Patrick's boyfriend. That is correct. Uh, really where you got his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, never heard of him tell you the truth. I, I think she upgraded a little bit with Aaron Rodgers, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, she did. But, you know, bless <clears> his heart. Cheese curds. Anyhow, so, uh, so yeah, you've got the traditionalists who are going to be upset about it, but they're still going to go to the race. They're still going to enjoy the race, and I know we will as well. I'm curious to see how much it backs into uh, – uh, football season at that yeah, point. Yeah, it'll be, that's one of the problems. I know. But oh, yeah. they have to compete well, that's, with that. That's a big, bigger problem for NASCAR as a whole but, and why they're moving all the schedule stuff around and trying to find something that works. And it's worked so well for golf. You know, I think it has. At well, least we'll find you, out. We're we'll in the middle out. of it. You move everything up, and it makes more sense in your head that, oh, this is, this is the way it you should do it. It does make sense. I haven't had a problem with the adjustment to the golf. I right. liked having the... So, but NASCAR, NASCAR's got problems right now, and they're they're working st- on stuff. They're trying to fix things, and uh, schedule changes are a big part of it. Hey, Coos, before we go to break, let's play this thing. And uh, you guys in the car with Kurt Busch at Daytona International Speedway. I'm curious how this is going to sound mm-hmm. on radio uh now on espn 690 and we are off on a hot lap with kurt bush around daytona international speedway how fast you guys want to go as fast as we can it really wasn't a question it really wasn't obviously you won this thing back in 2017 at the daytona 500 uh where does that rank for accomplishments for you when you're talking about the big races you've done uh it's it's the biggest win and when you win at daytona it's magnified by 10. It's an amazing feeling. I made my move right here. I went to the high side, turn two on the last lap, and when I broke away from the draft, about halfway down the back straightaway, my spotter said, you're clear by four cars. And then everything kind of like turned to black and white, because all the cars were behind me. And I'm coming through here, and I'm just, don't scrub any speed. Don't scrub any speed. Come on. And now all the flashbulbs are starting to go off. And I'm like, just come on. Gotta make it, gotta make it. And I think I started celebrating like right here yeah. before I got there. And luckily, I had just enough momentum. You've done the Indy 500 as well. You get to go to Lamont later this year. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'm not racing this not year. Not racing. But looking to try to get in the race maybe next. Year. I was gonna say that's that's the question I was gonna have is that if if there was one race that you could do outside of the NASCAR circuit, what would it be? It would be yeah, the 24 hours of Lamont. Um, you know, down in Australia, there's a. A race called the Bathurst 1000. I uh, would love to jump in that race. Uh, maybe do a Baja in the trucks. Uh, there's a few bucket list items that I still want to go and, and conquer. You know, I ran the Indy 500 five years ago, 
you know, I kind of checked that box. It was an amazing experience to go 230 miles per hour. Well, another box to check, of course, is the summer race here. It's the only one you haven't won here at Daytona. I didn't realize that. Uh, with a clash win, a dual win, a 500 win, there's only been 10 guys that have won um, all four. Well, I've got good 11. news for you. Last year, the driver who gave the media tours... He did win. Eric Jones. Eric Jones. He visited that same victory lane. So I got a good feeling for good you. Work. That's Kurt Busch getting ready to race here at Daytona next month. That's good stuff. Nice uh, good little uh, nugget of knowledge there. Trivia. Heading into the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Drop some knowledge there, and I feel like every year they're going to add a new word on it. Remember when it was the Coke 400? Then it was the Coke Zero 400? Then it was the Coke Zero Sugar 400? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that. Uh, Coke Zero Sugar, no carb 400. Exactly. Coke Zero Orange. Orange and vanilla. Did that do well? That did well, right? I I think it did well. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it sounds gross. Asking the wrong guy. I tried. It wasn't that great. I'll have Uh, a soda once in a while. Live life. (laughs) It makes me sick, man. I'm good. God, I'm, I'm such a wuss. I'm rubbing huh? Coke? Come on. You really are. At least uh, you said it this time. You should uh, yeah. start your Instagram with a picture of you drinking a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. One oh, then you'll see a video just... <sighs> then you'll be cool on the gram. That's it. Okay. Once again, man. Cool kids are going to Texas, Houston, Texas. Same place. Yeah, you're right. John Harris from the Texans joins us next as we take a look at week two on the Jaguars' schedule. What's up with the Texans? Ain't he good this year? That's next on ESPN 690. Sounds like every country song ever. Picking up my girl. You say that like it's a problem. We're going a little country music fireball whiskey. Sunny day. Maybe we can do an album. Let's do it. <laughs> Put it on the gram. Hey, there it is. We, we need to start having a gram drawer. Every time uh, Brent says the gram, five bucks goes in. <laughs> I'll stop saying it it's very st- quickly. It's, start- it's starting to get to that point, I feel like. <laughs> hey, by the way, thanks for the cheese curds back You're from welcome. Wisconsin. They come in one of those, uh, what do they call these things, like vacuum bags? Vacuum uh, sealed bag, yeah. 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 Yeah, they're not messing around here. And it's Ziploc, so I can close it back up. Yep, but this time you guys got beer cheddar, so uh, we're trying to get all the flavors in probably before, I don't nice know, the, the new year. Yeah. This isn't bad for you either. One one carb, one sugar. Per cheese curd, or how many is it? Uh, per cheese <laughs> About one inch cube is a serving yeah, size. Okay, I think that's more than one. What's the curve. what's the fat on there though? Uh, the fat is uh, nine grams. Yeah, Not nothing. Yeah. Speaking of grams, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go talk some football. In week Thank number God. two, the Jacksonville Jaguars will play at Houston. The Texans have certainly been a nemesis over the years. John Harris covers the Houston Texans, uh, part of HoustonTexans.com, and he joins us now. Familiar name, familiar voice. We'll go back a few years, 1998 to the year 2000, head football coach at Episcopal here in Jacksonville. John, what's happening, man? What's going on, guys? Look, I am starving, and I come on, and you guys are talking about cheese curds. <laughs> you better believe it. from Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I'm I'm dying here. I mean, we're going up to Wisconsin to, to practice with the Packers, and I'm so excited. My parents still live up there. I will come back with dozens of bags of cheese curds. I think it's flowing through my blood. John, where in Wisconsin did you grow up? I grew up an hour north of Green Bay, a little small town called Marinette. It's right on the border 
of uh, the Upper Peninsula. Menominee, Michigan's on one side, and Marinette, Wisconsin's on the other. A lot of good, a lot of good ice hockey in Marinette. I've been there a couple times. Yeah, in fact, that was the very first sport that I ever grew up playing, and that lasted all about three months. And my dad said, "Now you're going to go play basketball." Which is good. <laughs> Because I ended up moving to Texas when I was 11, and they didn't have hockey down here, so it was it was good. I would have been I would have had a hard time finding hockey down here in Houston. We have one rink, and it's in a mall. That's about our hockey. <laughs> All right, John. Well, I got one more question for before we get started. So I grew up in Wisconsin myself. Here's the real question: How well do you know Wisconsin? Ever heard of Iowa, Scandinavia? I have heard of it. I have heard of it. I've never been there, but I okay. have heard of it. Okay, so, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's been a while, yeah, but I definitely have heard of it for sure. My dad still coaches like did. He retired just last year. Uh, but I, I want to say that at some point in his coaching career, there was a game in Iola, Scandinavia for sure. Oh, wow, very cool. Very okay. good. Uh, Brent Martino with uh, former JAG, Iola, Scandinavia native, uh, <laughs> Austin Lane, along with John Harris from the Houston Texans. Hey, remind us of the, the days in Jacksonville, too, John. You obviously have a lot of connections here. Uh Still a lot of friends back here in Jacksonville, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because this is, this is when you really start to feel your age. Because when I, when I first got there in Jacksonville, I actually got to Jacksonville in 1994, and I was the head coach of the junior high team at Episcopal. And those guys that I started with were in eighth grade. And, in fact, my quarterback at the time was a guy named Blake Jones. Well, now Blake is the senior director of communications – and uh, media communications, I think, for the NFL. Oh, and wow. so I see him on the sidelines from week to week, and I'm like, he used to be my quarterback. So <laughs> all these things that I coached way back in the day are now, you know, in almost in their 40s, and they've got kids, and it's just, it's really, it's really kind of bizarre. But I, I say this all the time, Jacksonville, my wife and I met there at Episcopal. We were first-year teachers together. So Episcopal has a really strong pull on both of us. Uh, we, we love Jacksonville. We were there when the Jaguars started playing in, in 95. And it's funny because Seth Payne is now in Houston. So, yeah. you know, Seth and I will talk about being in Jacksonville. And, I, and, and as much as I love Houston and I'm from here, the seven years that we spent in Jacksonville were – they were tremendous. And, and we missed it. We missed being at the beaches. I mean, my wife loves the beach. I love the beach. So, we, we miss Jacksonville. And so, every year that we get to go there, it's always a fun trip. And then they take that trip away and now we're going to London. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed at that. I think I was the only one in the building disappointed about not going to Jacksonville this year because we're going to London to play that second game. But looking forward to seeing what the Jaguars have got this year, and I think they're going to be a really good football team. And I think the Texans will be as well. Yeah, it'll be a bounce back here. Could be a really good division in the AFC South, uh, of course, with uh, with the Houston Texans, the Jags, and Colts, and, and Tennessee. I think you can make cases for all four teams. Uh, so let's make the case a little bit for Houston as John Harris from HoustonTexans.com joins us. Uh, we're taking a way too early look at the Jaguars' schedule. Yesterday we did the Kansas City Chiefs. Today we're doing Houston and the Tennessee Titans coming up uh, within the next hour. Uh, so, John, I think most people, when you do interviews around the country, will ask you first either J.J. Watt or Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to ask you about Tayshaun Gibson and the arrival and the acquisition of the former Jaguars player. Kind of reunites with another former Jag in that secondary, at least at times, Aaron Colvin. Uh, what is your first impression of Tayshaun Gibson? How much will he help that defense? Oh, I think he'll help us tremendously. And the fact that we have struggled for years covering tight ends. I mean, when Gronk saw us on the schedule, it was 
you know, get the party favors ready because he's going to have a big ball game. Yeah. Zach Ertz last year, I think, had 12 catches against us. Uh, Travis Kelsey has killed us for years. And then you watch, you watch T-Gip against Gronk uh, in that second game last year, and Gronk got nothing. And you see him against Ertz and Kelsey, and you're like, boy, this guy can cover tight ends. And, oh, by the way, he's half the price of Tyron Matthew. And, look, I love Tyron Matthew as much as anybody. We had a lot of talks. I mean, he is fantastic. I loved him. I absolutely loved him. I loved his playmaking. But to pay $14 million a year on average for him versus a little over seven for, for Gibson, and Gibson can cover tight ends the way that he can, I think that actually fit our defense a little bit better. I'm really excited about what he brings to our defense and just the – I hate the word swagger, but just the way that he carries himself, just the way that he's come from being undrafted to, you know, playing for the Browns and being a pro bowl and then getting to Jacksonville and that defense in 2017 and now being a part of this defense uh, with us in 2019, I think he's going to fit hand in glove. And we're really excited about having him. And I know in Jacksonville you guys have got to feel like, whoa, we lost a guy. And, look, we all understand the business of the NFL. And that's what he told us, too. We talked to him. He said, look, this is the business of the NFL. I know Jacksonville didn't want to lose him, but they had to, to go out and get Nick Foles. It made sense that you prioritize a quarterback as opposed to a safety. But for us, a guy like Deshaun Gibson really, I think, is going to fit us very, very well because of the way he can interchange with Justin Reed. But if, if Reed's got to play by the box, then Gibson can play in the deep third if they need to. If, if it's going to go the other way, if Gibson's got to play near the box, then Justin Reed can play in the deep third. And they fit each other really well. And I can see a camaraderie starting to build, which I think is going to make our secondary better. And it has to be. Because losing Tyron Matthew, losing Kareem Jackson, and on top of the fact that we really weren't that good covering anybody at the end of the year in particular, we needed to be better. I think Gibson helps us at least, at the very minimum, helps us against some good tight ends that we're going to be facing this year. John, the biggest question going into this up-and-coming season for the Texans right now is probably the most boring thing to talk about, but it's offensive line play. Uh, the Texans drafted Titus Howard first round. Uh, they got Max Sharping in the second round, but these are two guys out of college that have not played in the Power 5 conference, have played against lower-level competition. I know it's only the OTAs right now, but what is the vibe with them so far, and where exactly are they going to fit into that scheme with the Houston Texans offense? Oh, so that's a great question, and, and I'll tell you what, it's the $64,000 question here in Houston because that line has been so bad. I mean, when you think about what Deshaun Watson was able to do last year, I know, by the way, he got sacked 62 times Crazy. Yeah. last year. I mean, look, the, the line has to be better just by being different, you, you think. Now, how much better? And that obviously is why they went out and drafted Titus Howard. And look, there are a lot of people that think the Eagles – scoop the Texans in some sense, trading up in front of them and getting Andre Dillard. I'll tell you right now, guys, Titus Howard was the pick all the way along. They, Dillard, that if the Eagles had come up to get Titus Howard, they would have drafted Dillard, but they love Titus Howard. They love everything about him. 325 pounds, can move. Here's the thing, Austin, and this is what's interesting. They don't know exactly what position they want him at right now. They've had about 10 to 12 different combinations of offensive lines and we saw OTA uh, number three today, or the third week OTAs we see every third day. There were different combinations today than we've seen in the first OTAs. So they've still got to figure that out. And they've got to figure it out facing the Saints in the Dome week one, Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell in week two, 
and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram in week three. <laughs> so these guys had better figure it out and figure it out pretty fast or Deshaun might die by the time we go to London. And hopefully that's not going to happen because you can't take a bus over to London like Deshaun did in Jacksonville <laughs> last year Boat. when he took the bus there. So the 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 where Titus Howard plays, where Max Sharping plays, they both could play guard to start off with. Either way, they're going to make this line better. How much better? That could be the difference in the Texans being nine and seven and being the wild card mix, or being twelve and four and winning the AFC South. Because if they're that much better and they can cut the sacks in half, or just get them to thirty, get into a manageable number thirty to thirty-five, which isn't great, but that's so much better than what it was last year. If you take those thirty non-sacks and turn them into completions. And touchdowns, where can this offense be with a healthy Will Fuller, a healthy Deontay Foreman, DeAndre Hopkins still in the fold, Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, as I said. You could have a pretty explosive offense, but yet if you can't get the ball out, if Yannick Ngakwe is just ripping around the edge like he did in game two uh, late in the season against us, forget it. We're going to be 9-7 and seven at best. But if those guys prove that they're worth their draft picks in the first and second round respectively – and this offensive line will turn the corner, this offense could be very scary coming in 2019 and beyond. John Harris with us uh, covering the Houston Texans, HoustonTexans.com, as we take a look at the uh, schedule for the Jacksonville Jaguars week two. And then, of course, the home game will be actually in London this year against the Houston Texans. These divisional games are going to be so important in the AFC South for all four teams uh, to at least get splits, if not sweeps. Uh, let's go with Deshaun Watson. And this is not a don't, – don't take this as – a knock. I am not a Deshaun Watson hater at all. I think he's fantastic. I love the intangibles, leadership, what he's been able to do when healthy already. But I will say this. I am not as over the moon on Watson as so many people are. Uh, I think there's been some really good moments, and then there's been others that are just okay. And I'm still kind of curious about him from a star standpoint. Is he a top six quarterback in the NFL? Is he more in the 10 to 15 range? I still still think the, the, the jury's still out on that. I know I'm in the minority, by the way. How do you guys see him in Houston? Is he Patrick Mahomes? Is he Cam Newton? Is, do you look at him like that? Or is there still a curiosity of how good Deshaun Watson will be? And, and he's had a lot of excuses. You mentioned the 62 sacks. So, I mean, the guy's been phenomenal in a lot of different ways. I get it. How do you view him in Houston? Well, Brad, it's a great question, too. And, and I think in Houston, now keep in mind that we watched Matt Schaub fl- uh, just go down in flames in 2013. Then we watched Fitzy, Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, Brock Osweiler. So to us, Deshaun Watson looks like, you know, Brett Favre reincarnate. So, you know, keep, keep that in mind. And, I mean, to you guys, Nick Foles is going to look like the greatest thing since sliced bread after watching Blake struggle the last few years. So there is sort of that right now with Deshaun, and that is, look, he's so much better than what we've had. Now, Deshaun's got to take those next steps. And I can – I can a lot of people in Houston because they just – well, the offensive line stinks. And, look, the offensive line was not very good last year. But all 62 sacks were not on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Some of it was some inexperience at receiver when, when Will Fuller went down. But some of it had to do with Deshaun Watson's maturity as a quarterback, his growth as a quarterback, the game speed. That, you know, he still was only in his first full year as a starter last year. You know, he's only played seven games as a rookie, so he missed out 
on those last nine games to really help him go on into year two. He was coming off an ACL tear, and he's the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to ever throw for over 4,000, 25 touchdowns, rush for over 500, and have six rushing touchdowns. He's the only quarterback in the history to have done that, and he got sacked 62 times, and he played behind that offense. He's coming off a torn ACL, and he lost Will Fuller for half a year. So, time ago, and I used to use this with my kids when I coached them. I said, look, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. Now, I do think there's some valid reasons to it, and sure, there's probably an excuse or two thrown in there as well. But we look at Deshaun, and we've seen him in situations in New England, in Seattle, in Philadelphia, on the road the last two years, where we really should have had no opportunity to win the game, none whatsoever. And he put us on his back and carried us. Now, he's got to be able to do that on a consistent basis. But to be able to do that, offensive line's got to protect him, obviously. But I think the key to our whole season is Will Fuller. Will Fuller is as dangerous receiver as anybody knows in the league, but he can't stay on the field. He can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy because Deshaun loves to throw the ball deep, Will Fuller is scary. But he's not on the field. 100% of the time, and that's got to change. So if you can improve that offensive line dynamic in front of Deshaun and give him Will Fuller for a full year, I think you'll be looking at a guy that could throw for 4,500 to 4,700 yards, being 35 touchdown uh, year, uh, 35 touchdowns in that range for the year. He can do those sort of things. But I think what the last game of the year against Indianapolis in the playoff game left a bad taste in everybody's mouth because he did not play well. Everybody thought, look, we just get on Deshaun's back and ride. Here we go. And Deshaun didn't play well. Now, he didn't have much help that day, but he didn't play well. He's got to change that narrative in some sense, I think, nationally. And it's going to take a great game against the Saints of Monday football, bouncing back against the Jags week two, doing something against Mahomes in Kansas City. But when he's played top-notch opponents on the road in Kansas in, uh and Seattle in 17 and New England 17 and Philadelphia last year, he not only was the best player on the field, he looked like the best player we've ever seen. And he was incredible in those games. But now the Texans have got to finish those and win those games. And he's got to do it and have one of those games on the biggest stage on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, and go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes or do something like that to really get the nation kind of back on his side. I think he's sort of forgotten about in some sense because it's Mahomes, it's still Breeze, it's still Brady. But that's okay. That's fine to him. He doesn't mind that whatsoever because he'll show up one night, throw for over 404 touchdowns, and I think everybody will realize if protected with his weapons, this guy can still be the star we all think he can be. John, there's no doubt that the Texans' passing game is probably the strength of that offense. But I want to talk about the running game a little bit, which has kind of been an enigma the past couple years. I mean, you have a guy like... Lamar Miller, who um, after week six against Jacksonville, just started to go off a little bit, it seemed like, and had a really successful season, probably his best season in a Houston Texans jersey. Just how confident is the team with Miller going forward, um, especially from a guy that did it last season with a pretty subpar offensive line? Yeah, exactly, Austin. And hopefully the offensive line, if if it's going to be better, I think the one thing our offensive line will be is definitely bigger. They want to knock people off the ball. And I think the, the... the juxtaposition of that is that Lamar is a very good zone game runner. He loves running in the zone game. He has real good feel for it and good vision for it. And you don't always have to have the biggest guys in the zone game. It helps, 
especially if they can move a little bit. But I think that's where Lamar will definitely benefit. But I think the key for Lamar is he can't take the 20 to 25 carry a game pounding every week. He's got to get some help from Deontay Foreman. And with no Foreman last year, it was really indicative late in the season how much the pounding took a toll on Lamar Miller. I think Lamar is, is an underrated back. Look, I'm, I would never put him in a, in a class of Ezekiel Elliott or Le'Veon Bell. But he understands pass protection. He's a really good pass protector. He's really good in the zone game. He's had some big games. As you said, in the middle of the season, obviously, he was really, really good. Mm-hmm. But he really got worn down at the end of the year. And a large part of that was because, you know, Alfred Blue, and I love Alfred, and he's in there in Jacksonville. I think he'll help you guys. But he just wasn't what Deontay Foreman can be. There may be games this year, if both are healthy, where Foreman gets the majority of carries because he can be that kind of back. He's now a year and a half plus removed from the Achilles tendon tear. I think Foreman and Miller together can be a really solid combination. But I think one on his own, it's really not going to get us where we want to go. We've got to be able to have that one-two punch. And with not having Foreman last year, by the end of the year, we had no run game, none whatsoever. When we had Foreman and Miller going together in 17 for a while, it looked pretty good. It looked good. That's what we got to have in 2019, whether it's zone game, power game, gap scheme, whatever you want to run up front, you're going to be able to run it, I think, with the combination of both Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. So it's imperative that Foreman get out of the doghouse, which he was in last year, and I think he's out and now perform like we thought he was going to as a third-round pick in 2017. John, you mentioned Alfred Blue real quick here. He's with Jacksonville now, obviously, um, in a pretty crowded backfield. But his rookie season, Blue came in, Aaron Foster goes down, Blue puts up a 156-yard effort. Uh, I think he had a couple 100-yard games that season as a rookie. So all signs were pointing to that he was going to be the bell call going forward. What do you attest to kind of having having a drop-off like Blue did and kind of getting lost in that shuffle a little bit with the Houston Texans and now being in Jacksonville? Well, I think the biggest thing, Austin, is the fact that, and you guys know this, the, the best teams, the players know their roles. And I don't, I don't know that Alfred didn't know his role, but Alfred was best served as a number two. And I think that's just a great role for him. When he had to step in that game you talk about at Cleveland in 2014, he had 36 carries, I think. It was like half of what he had had his senior year at LSU in one game. And, you know, he would, he would grind when he needed to. Against Dallas this last year, he caught eight passes. He didn't really do a whole lot in the run game, but he caught eight passes, and they were key throws, one in overtime that on the sideline for a first down. It was big. He just does a lot of everything. He doesn't do anything. He's not elite. He doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite size. He doesn't, he's not an elite player. But he does enough of everything that you love having him around because he's reliable. He's dependable. He'll play on special teams. You know, he'll pick up short yardage gains, which I mean, obviously in Jacksonville, that's more Leonard's thing, but we didn't have a guy like that. Leonard, you know, Alfred Blue picked those up for us. We needed to have him do that, and he did. He was asked to do so many different things, and he did them. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife that you didn't know you needed, but you're glad that you had. And we're, I think fans here in Houston didn't appreciate what Alfred gave to us with what he was asked to do. Look. We know he's not a number one back, and you don't need him to be. I think he's in a really good role and a really good spot there in Jacksonville to fight to get on the roster. But when he gets on the roster, he'll do the little things that some other guys won't do. And you go, hey, wait a second. Alfred Blue had a big impact on this game, special teams, running the ball, whatever it might be. 
I think he'll find a way to get on that team and fight for some playing time and definitely get on special teams. Good thoughts from uh, John Harris. It was a lot of fun catching up with you, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, HoustonTexans.com. We'll do it again right before you guys visit in week number two so we can catch up and see where the Texans are at. One final thing. we got to run, but if I, if I give you this question, how would you answer it? Jadavian Clowney or in Yannick Ngakwe? Who gets the contract first? Ngakwe. Mm, so so, and I just think it, I think it's Ngakwe. I, look, the Texans have had a couple years to try and get an extension done with JD, and they just haven't. I just think I think Ngakwe is going to get it before before JD will. I and there's something that tells me, man, I, I want to have it because I love JD for a number of reasons. I just I just don't think JD is going to get that contract here. I hope I'm wrong, and I, I I don't really ever hope I'm wrong, but I hope I'm wrong on this one. I just feel like it's going to be Ngakwe. I think I, when you get a pass rusher like Ngakwe, you don't let him go. You just don't let him go. He's as dangerous as anybody we face. He scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I think Ngakwe needs to get that contract, and I think he will before JD does. Hey, well said, man. Hey, enjoy the summer and uh, enjoy the cheese curds once you get up there in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, absolutely, boys. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me back on, just give me a call. You bet. Thanks, uh, man. John Harris from HoustonTexans.com checking in on the Texans. Really good stuff in depth uh, from uh, John there on Houston. We'll check back in with uh, the Texans as we get closer to the season. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we go to Nashville, Tennessee. What about the Titans in 2019? That will be our next stop. But when we come back, the player that will have the most impact on this defense, I give you three options. You're more than welcome to come in. Star, star, 690. Player or position. A, Taven Bryant. B, weak side linebacker, whoever it is. C, Jared Wilson. And the context of this is... Who can make this defense even better than you already think it might be because of a surprise big year? Taven Bryan A, weak side linebacker B, or Jared Wilson C? Who would you pick next on ESPN 690? Promoter says Joshua Ruiz rematch triggered. I'm not that cool. I mean, I say the Graham and stuff, but triggered mean it's on. Or it's well, about it, to happen. It, it it's be being talked about. Well, there, there is a rematch clause, so he has to do it. Yeah, so uh, Joshua Ruiz, and then it's going to be uh, Deontay Wilder and Ortiz. And listen, um, this goes to show you what kind of guy Deontay Wilder is because Ortiz is not an easy matchup for anybody. He's the guy that's probably given Deontay the, the most trouble, uh, even more trouble than Tyson Fury. So uh, this is it, it could be a nail-biter as well. And then they're slated to have Wilder versus Fury. But listen, Wilder's got to beat Ortiz first. And that's no easy walk in the park. So I'm curious to see what happens. All right, here we go. The player or position that could surprise to elevate the defense more than you think it's already going to be good. Okay? Does that make sense? I got you. You know, a defense going to be good in Jacksonville, right? Which, which position needs to play the best for the Jaguars to be successful? So I give, well, no, not, no, 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 that's, you to be a little careful. Because okay. we could say Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell there. What I'm saying is a guy that you're really not counting on right now to have a big season, a player or position, I'm going to give you three options, and what would you say wins the day to elevate the defense even more than out of your expectations? Taven Bryan, I don't really think the expectations are high for Taven Bryan this year. Weak side linebacker, whoever replaces Telvin Smith, I don't even think we can have expectations right now for that position. We don't know who it's going to be. 
And I would say Jared Wilson. On paper, no doubt the Jaguars got worse at free safety with Tayshawn Gibson going over to Houston and Jared Wilson jumping in. And we he's a big-time unknown. So A, B, or C, which one of those having a good season or a better-than-expected season elevates this defense the most? Without a doubt, Jared Wilson. Okay. Free Elaborate. Safety. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so, there was multiple choice, but no, after no. you circle C, All right. you have to also write an well, essay. I don't know. Usually you don't have to do that in tests, but uh, I say Jared Wilson because he is the free safety. Uh, if the free safety does not perform, um, that leaves the long ball open. Now, I'm not sure exactly what type of scheme the Jaguars are going to run. I don't think he's going to be in the box too much. I think that's more of Ronnie Harrison's job. He's the bigger, more physical um, secondary option. But at the same time, if Wilson doesn't do his job, you are definitely going to know about about it. If Taven Bryan does his, doesn't do his job, well, there's other guys that can take over for that job. Like, I mean, obviously, Clayus Campbell will be starting in that position. Uh, Marcel Darius will be there as well. And then getting back to outside linebacker spot, I mean, yes, that's important as well. But I just think from the standpoint of uh, the importance of that defense, you need to have a, a big center fielder. You need to have a guy that can... Um, you know, st- stop the receivers, especially the, the burners. And listen, this is a pass-first league these days, so Jared Wilson hands down, final answer. Oh, very good. What do you uh, got? You know, I'm going to say Taven Bryan. Okay. I'm going to say Taven Bryan, although I think you could argue the middle one, too, because that position is on the field a bunch, that weak side linebacker. And to not know what it is and to have really a low expectation right now, you could certainly exceed expectation in a hurry if someone plays well. If a Quincy Williams jumps in there all of a sudden and plays way better than expected, which is kind of the nature of this question. Jared Wilson, I think, although that is a critical position in the scheme and defense, is protected a bit. I think Ronnie Harrison's a good player. I think he's got a little some games and experience now under his belt. Not as much as you'd want, but he's a good player. I think, obviously, you have Jalen and A.J. back there in the secondary as well. And because of the pressure you create up front, I think that aids anybody in the back end anyhow. So... But, I, yeah, but I mean, he's, he's he's the last line of defense, though, Brent. He is. No, you know? I, Nelson, I'm not, I think yeah. yours is a good choice. Yeah. But I also believe what Taven Bryan, the ceiling on Jared Wilson, I don't know where it lands. The ceiling on Taven Bryan as a first-round pick could be way better than anybody anticipates. I mean, does he become a game wrecker of sorts? You know, does he? can he really escalate his game far more than anybody expects? And then... Wow, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, remember now, the Jags defense has been elite. They've been elite with a guy like Malik Jackson, a $90 million guy, a Pro Bowl player, a Super Bowl champ. They have gotten a lot out of that position. So right now, I'm not sure what the Jags are counting on in that position, but it's certainly not that caliber of play because that's unrealistic. We don't know enough about Taven Bryan. If all of a sudden he plays at a very capable level, at a high level, at a first-round level, knocking on the door of a Pro Bowl level, well, then this defense is going to be even better than I expect it to be. Because right now, for me, I, I, I don't, I'm a big unknown in that, that area. I agree with that. My only point is this is a team last year that ran a lot of cover three as opposed to going man-on-man now, whether that was injuries or whether that was philosophy. But if you continue to do the zone coverage, you're going to need a free safety back there that's going to have everybody's back. So, I mean, and listen, I think there is no wrong answer, right? Like, I mean, you you need Taven Bryan to have a great season because this is is, is your first-round pick. And I think... 
the most pressure to have a good season is on Taven Bryant, hands down, um, from a standpoint of the GM, the head coaches, yeah, making that selection. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you need Taven Bryant to have a good year, but I'm just saying from the positions and the way that defense is run right now, I think you have to have a, a solid free safety, a solid center fielder. Keenan McCardell. Fallen and fallen. Stay in your lane. Happy hour horn. $100 gift card giveaway. And we go to Nashville, Tennessee. How good will the Titans be? It's all next on ESPN 690. You going to make it through the show or what? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm starting to question the stamina on lane. What's up? What was I doing? I don't know. I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel, I don't know if you can hang in the, in the cage. Is it because, in, because I'm leaning back? ESPN right? 690 cage. Look at all this. You want to call me out? I'll put my feet on the table and we'll do the radio show then. That, that's the beauty I, of radio, I'm man. I'm just chilling, man. Well, we still have the video though too up there, Brent. Yeah. I'm just chilling, man. I'm good. All right. Just yeah. checking. Yeah. yeah. Check on you guys once in a Whoa. while. I mean, do you, you know how long a day this is for Coos? I mean, he had to go to Daytona right around in a race car, and then he's going to work this afternoon. He's going to work tonight. I mean, I bet he calls <laughs> in sick tomorrow. <laughs> it's a long night, yeah. Probably. Nah. Now you're going to be here? No, I'll be here. All right. We'll be good. I'm, I'm, right. I'm so jealous we went in that, got to go in that car, though. But here's the thing. You guys are rolling three deep, right? Yes. So then what would have happened if I would have came with? We would have been three deep in the back? Uh, yeah. no, we're, oh, no, no, You're no, we welcome. probably would have just doubled up. Yeah, two okay. and two Actually, and it would have been better. It would have been just two in the car, so... Okay. Really? So really, I would have drove. Sounds That's like fine. you screwed things up. I, I would have drove. Well, thanks, Ronan. Thanks to Ronan. I'm sure he. Uh, oh, oh wait, sorry. <laughs> he'll be glad to hear. As he's listening right now on his ESPN 690 Twitch account. <laughs> I'm kidding. He, he doesn't have Twitch. <laughs> he's he's not going to have a cell phone to high school. Here's so. the thing with Twitch: you don't even need an account. You can just go on there. I like Check that. it out. Yeah. Check it out. That, that's ESPN what I heard. 690 Jacks. Yeah. yeah. Got that. I guess it makes streaming things legally pretty easy for Twitch. Jocks. Well, no, if you're going to stream yourself, you have to have an account. But if you're going to check it out, yeah. But I'm saying if you want to check out something illegal uh, streaming purposes, then yeah, I'm sure you could go on Twitch and check that out. That's what I heard. Way to promote it. Nice job. That's what I heard. Promote illegal everything. Well, hey, uh, I'm telling you, we'll be arrested sometime on this show. It's not illegal to to stream ESPN 690, though, Brent, is it? No. There Uh, we go. Hey, uh, let's. Welcome in the 5 o'clock hour. We got a busy one. Keenan McCardell, we're going to go to Nashville about the Titans. Uh, we have balling and falling. Stay in your lane. A lot to get to. $100 gift card we're going to give away this hour as well. Once again, to Smoothie King, ah, where I went today and it tasted great. Uh, but first, sun is out. Heading home from work. Maybe sit on the back porch and have a little cocktail. Celebrate a nice evening. A little happy hour horn Vita de Louis. Any requests? Not really. Goose? NASCAR do, driver. Do it for the gram. NASCAR driver? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll do like Ricky Bobby or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm just going to do myself. Grab a drink, get a shot, <laughs> tip, and start 10 years. Okay. Yeah, you sorry, handle man. It. You, you can handle that one. Well, I'm supposed to sound, I don't know. Hey, you got to do a little more homework. Come on, I mean. camp. Yeah. <laughs> Grab a drink, get a shot, tip, and start 10 now. what I tell you? 
Oh, there we go. Come and choke the spider monkey. All right, there we go. What I do with my hands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis Tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Locations, recipes, merchandise. Visit VitaDeLuis.com. Drink responsibly. Time for some balling and falling. Then we're going to Nashville in a moment. Balling going to Hornets guard. Cody Zeller has opened up a lemonade stand. Each cup of uh, lemonade costs 25 cents, and the proceeds are going to help uh, to keep Kemba in Charlotte, supposedly. That's what the sign says. Uh, listen, not sure well, that Charlotte is the most marquee destination for NBA players, but they really should do everything in their power to keep Kemba Walker, in my opinion, the most underrated point guard in the league, and Cody Zeller seems to agree with me. Yeah, the whole thing of him making... Remember we had that conversation, the all-NBA team stuff, which yeah. I think is ridiculous. That's how you get max deals and stuff. Well, that hurt Charlotte because mm-hmm. Kemba Walker made the third team, I think it was, yeah. and so it put him in that that next elite category, yep. which made it more difficult, likely, for Charlotte. So now you have to sell lemonade. Yep. Yeah, now you have to sell lemonade, <laughs> Cody Zeller. I mean, that's crazy. Here's my ball, and you can find this story on ESPN 690. This is pretty cool. You see this? Mac Brown had knee replacement surgery, and it was done by a former player. That's huh. kind of cool. Yeah, that's really right? cool. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, I don't know how to really say his name, but I'm going to guess. Michael uh, Balognesi. Be careful. That, that offends a lot of people. Balognesi. <laughs> careful, Brent. I don't know if that's a, like baloney because of silent G. I'm guessing a Michael Balonesi. Uh, that sounds better. Sure. At least it rolls off my tongue better. Just guess. Uh, he was a defensive back at UNC in the 90s, played for Mac Brown, and, uh, well, he just did surgery at the Duke University Hospital. You know, I always thought... If you're a former UNC guy, how do you feel about getting surgery at Duke University Hospital? <laughs> I, I, bet some, a I bet there's some stories about guys that would not go might there. might be a little tentative. Guaranteed. That's why I'm going to uh, Dr. Uh, James Andrews, man, the best of the best <laughs> uh, in Alabama or Pensacola he's located. All right, falling real quick. Fallen man, down goes Jeopardy James. James Holzauer was taken down last night after a 32-game win streak. Coos, hit me with that audio real quick. That takes him to 24,000. So, Emma, it's up to you. If you came up with a correct response, you're going to be the new Jeopardy champion. You did. What did you wager? Oh, God. 20,000. What a payday. 46,801. What a game. Oh, my God. Wow. wow. So, uh, yeah, so James Hull, Hull's hour, and uh, exits Jeopardy. Um, he owns the top 16 single-day scores, set the single-game record of $131,127. He won a total of $2,464,216, and he was taken out by a, a librarian named Emma Batcher, who looks like every substitute teacher you had as a kid that was getting ready to snitch on you. <laughs> like, like, you know when a sub comes in, you're like, all right, you're excited because you have a sub coming but she's like the kind that would like tell the teacher you were misbehaving you get in trouble so emma batcher snitch uh substitute teacher we're going to bring steve layman in from uh cbs in nashville covers the titans as we continue our look around the jacksonville jaguar schedule the way too early look in 2019 and i'm going to get the fall but i want to stay on the jeopardy front and steve's very well-rounded so i'm bet he can comment on this too but i have a conspiracy theory guys uh, and I'm sure there are some out there. I think there are a lot of people that think this guy threw that game last night. Do you feel that way? I mean, because I think they might find some dirt on the. Uh, all of a sudden now, they might find some dirt, and they didn't want him to be the all-time winner on Jeopardy. Look for it over the next couple months. I think we might find some dirt on this dude. 
What's up, Steve? You think we're gonna fu- you think we're gonna find out that this guy's not above board in all areas? Uh, <laughs> you mean the professional gambler? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, that's my conspiracy theory on this, uh, that how he lost and what he wagered. And I know there's a story about why he wagered what he wagered, but this guy was so good. And he was $56,000, I think it was, away from being the all-time. Eh, something smells on this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I'm getting called out for my conspiracy theories of the Jaguars going to a 3-4 defense. Brent's going on a limb <laughs> saying that a national treasure on Jeopardy uh, has a legal history you should worry about. <laughs> you, you better be getting called out on this, Brent, if you're wrong. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Well, I'm, I mean, it's just a conspiracy theory. You have to think outside the box sometimes. That's what I, I mean, do. It's, I'm, I'm not... No, no disrespect toward the guy. Plus, more people care about the 3-4 defense or the 4-3 defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although Jeopardy did pretty well over the last uh, couple months. Steve Lehman, what's up, bud? How much? How you guys doing down there in Florida? We're hot. Uh, today actually was only 95. <laughs> nine straight days over 97 degrees, uh, which is like Ooh. second all time. So it's been pretty warm. How about you up in Nashville? Is everybody uh, still partying after the draft, or is it just back to normal? I would say it's fairly back to normal. We've actually been very hot as well. We finally got a little relief yesterday and today. So maybe that weather is going to move further east and get to you guys and bail you out after a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, things have settled down. It kind of gets back to normal. But yesterday, Roger Goodell was in Buffalo and was still raving about the draft in Nashville. So that made its rounds down here and has people kind of talking about it again. There's, there's certainly a thought that sometime down the road, the draft or – Maybe even a Super Bowl someday might come to Nashville off of what we saw a month or so ago, but no time soon. That was a pretty big undertaking. Yeah, no doubt. Listen, Nashville was great. I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun. We saw you there. Uh, I think Nashville should be proud of what they did. There are some people that believe it's almost getting too big. We had a lot of that discussion on social media with some folks. Uh, what do you, what's your take on that? I mean, is there... You know, this thing started out in Music City, and although it's in a big city, it wasn't this huge 300,000, 500,000-person event. Philly made it real big with 100,000 or 150,000 people there on draft night. Obviously, Nashville was the biggest one yet. Do you Are you okay if there's a cap on it now? Is there a sweet spot for this thing to land where it's not just a New Year's Eve party every single year for the draft? See, and maybe I'm in the minority here on this, Brent, but I'm okay with that party because if you don't have the party, really what is there? And I get it. It's the draft. This is when you find out who the next class is of your team and what your team's going to look like next year and beyond. It's important. But when you truly think about it, it's, it's three days of looking at a stage for them to announce names, and especially once you get past the first night when there's actually guys there, it's actually kind of a boring event to watch. You know, you might as well just pick up the paper at the end of it and figure out who your team got and go from there. And so I think what they've done over the last four or five years where they've created the NFL experience and they've brought these cities into it where they try to take the best and the most iconic things of each of these places that they go to and incorporate it, I actually just think it makes the event bigger and better. And and in terms of the interest level, not just where there's 600,000 people in the streets over the three days, the TV ratings – were massive, by far the biggest NFL draft TV ratings of all time. And I I know football keeps getting bigger, but I think part of that is the show that comes with coming to each of these new cities. 
and seeing what they do there. So I'm totally okay with the circus of it all and having that play into it because, frankly, I think they do a good job of getting the picks out, focusing on the football, but then allowing people to have fun at the same time. I'm not sure Bartum and Bailey put on a bigger show and better <laughs> show than the NFL has now found uh, with all its events. It's it's just amazing. It's it's really something to watch. And what I always say, how many people are employed because of it, uh, not necessarily with the NFL, but outside the NFL uh, covering it. So it is fascinating. Steve Lehman uh, joins us uh, up in Nashville, News Channel 5, and uh, covers the Titans, of course. And that's why we wanted to get you on. Just a little way too early look at the season. Jaguars and Titans, Thursday night football, week number three uh, here in Jacksonville. It'll be hot most likely, but at least it will be at night, so it could be a little cooler. OTAs and mini camps and this time of year, what's happening with the Titans? What are they talking about and what do they look like so far? Well, first off, it wouldn't be a schedule if we didn't have the Jaguars <laughs> and Titans on a Thursday night. Right? True. It's, a, it's like <laughs> obligatory. We've got, <laughs> we've got to have that every year. And chances Death, are they'll taxes and Titans and, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Death taxes and Titans on Thursday night, man. That's what we get here in Jacksonville. Yeah, no question. So that's certainly what we've got, and I think everybody's looking forward to that because the Titans also have the Colts the previous week. So you get a real early look at what the AFC South, I think, is going to match up and look like. But in terms of this Titans team this offseason, I'm actually just driving back from St. Thomas Sports Park right now from their organized team activity that was open to the public for this week. And it's interesting to look at. They're very difficult to tell when, obviously, they're in shells and not real practice. I guess a news note from today was A.J. Brown, their second-round pick and wide receiver at Ole Miss. Looked like he kind of tweaked a hamstring there, which if you know anything about wide receivers, especially rookie wide receivers in the NFL, uh, that's a concern because those things can linger. But they're hoping that Brown and other guys that they've brought in will make this a more talented team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, the defense got into the top 10. I think they believe that they are a top 10 defense again this year. The big question is, can the offense, which averaged just 19 points a game last season, take it to the next level? And that's Marcus Mariota, the quarterback. But I think the biggest thing is it's the guys around him. Do they finally have enough where they can have a consistent running game to help them out? And maybe more than anything, guys, people who can catch the football. And that's why they went out and drafted A.J. Brown in the second round. That's why they signed Adam Humphreys from Tampa Bay to a big four-year, $36 million deal. They think Corey Davis can take the next step. And probably the biggest thing is a healthy Delaney Walker back in the fold after missing all but the first two quarters of last season with a broken ankle. Well, answer the biggest question then that you just asked, because I think that's an interesting spot. They really have made the effort. Uh, they've got names there at the wideout position now. I mean, Humphreys is intriguing. Davis, uh, you know, right now looks like not a great pick where they drafted him, and then they go back and get another receiver right away. So they're trying. you got to give them credit. They are trying to help Marcus Mariota and figure it out. Do they have enough there? Do they have the right guys there, in your opinion? I think this is the year where we find it out. Because I hear what you're saying about Corey Davis, and has he lived up to being the fifth overall pick right now? No, but he himself had a hamstring injury that cost him half of his working year. And last year he doubled, more than doubled his production during the, time, the games he actually played. And so he looked like a guy who could be a number one receiver last year. The problem was they didn't have anyone else on the field that they could throw it to. So the defense focused in on him. So 
I, I use Corey Davis as kind of the example for the entire offense. You look at Marcus Mariota, and you feel like his career has been somewhat underwhelming for four years statistically. Yet, how many quarterbacks in the league have led their teams to three straight nine-win seasons? You look at Corey Davis. You look at Derrick Henry, who has been underwhelming in total for three years. But last year in December, he was the best running back in all of football. So there's a lot of things like that. You look at the Titans where it's like, gosh, there's a piece there that if they can do that, they could be really good. But are they the glimpse of of hope and greatness, or are they what they've been over the larger body of work in their career? And that's the big thing. I think the Titans are hoping health and these added pieces mean that all of those things come together this year, and this offense takes off. But that is the... How much money did you say that guy lost? Because that's however much money he lost. That's the question for the Titans. Steve, we're talking about the offense here, and I think the biggest name that we should be talking about right now is uh, that the Titans promoted their tight ends the former tight ends coach and Arthur Smith at the replace replace Matt LaFleur who went to Green Bay. Um, I get it. It's only eight OTAs right now. It's hard to see where the offense is at, but do you notice any big changes in that offensive scheme going forward with Arthur Smith at the helm now? Austin, that's one of the big reasons they, they kept him and moved him up to offensive coordinator is to keep some level of continuity with this offense because Marcus Mariota is now with his fifth different play caller in five years in the National Football League. So another reason you look at his growth or maybe lack of growth over the past couple of seasons, that's certainly something to look at. So that was a big focus for them was we need someone here who knows this team, who knows the offense, and won't bring in wholesale changes. Arthur Smith can certainly do that. I think the thing that I'm most intrigued about looking in the preseason and as we get into the regular season is what other wrinkles does he do? Because he's been on the staff here in Tennessee going back to Mike Munchak as soon as Jeff Fisher left and Mike Munchak was the head coach. He's gone through Munchak, Wisenhut, Malarkey, and now Vrabel and all the offensive coordinators that come with that. He's seen a lot of different things, what works, what doesn't, and he's seen what works and what doesn't with Marcus Mariota and all these different offenses as well. I'm kind of fascinated what wrinkles he throws in. I think basically it looks like the Matt LaFleur offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little bit of everything from some of these things with Arthur Smith there. And I know the players rave about him because he has been there for so long. And, and he's sort of won them over in a lot of different roles over the years. And so now it's an easy transition for him to walk up in front of the entire group. And a quick aside about him, I don't know if you guys know this story. His dad is Fred Smith, the chairman and founder of FedEx. FedEx yeah. huh. So he comes from a ton of money but yet he is a self-made guy in the National Football League. He didn't have to work a day in his life if he didn't want to, but he has grinded and grinded and grinded from quality control to defensive assistant to offensive assistant to assistant line coach to tight ends coach, all of those different things. And now he finally gets the chance to be his own offensive coordinator. Uh, that's pretty cool. Very cool story about that and, and working the way up when you really didn't even have to. Uh, keep in mind, too, Ryan Tannehill is now the backup. Uh, the Titans signed him. I have not been a huge Mariota fan over the years, but you just gave a great perspective because I think from the outside looking in, we don't always remember this or talk about this, is all the difference off, different offensive coordinators and different coaches. And we've seen that so many times around here that that is a factor. Now, it's not necessarily the ultimate excuse, but it is 
is a factor. And the more players you talk to, the harder that is. We talked to Allen Robinson at the Super Bowl. He said it's just so inconsistent. It's hard for everybody on offense if you can't find it. So maybe uh, at least somewhat of a familiar face will help uh, Marcus Mariota this year. I got to ask you before we let you go. Uh, Steve Lehman with us from uh, News Channel 5 in Nashville covers the Titans. Jeffrey Simmons, the draft pick of Simmons, uh, will he play it all this year coming off the injury? And how was that received in Nashville with Titans fans? I think initially, Brent, it was poorly received. I don't think people loved the pick because of all the off-field stuff. And you go back to the video in high school of him striking that young woman who was on the ground. But as you hear from the Titans through their process, they said they did more due diligence on Jeffrey Simmons than any pick that they've ever done. And in fact, Amy Adams Strunk, the team's controlling owner and one of three female owners in the National Football League, came out the next day and said, I was more involved in this pick than I've ever been before because I knew what was at stake. And at first I looked at the video and it was awful and it was hard to watch. But as I talked more and more to our team that has done all the due diligence and the people they talked to and the information we've gathered about Jeffrey, it became clear to me that he was a young man in high school that made an awful mistake. And now three years later, he looks like a man who's really grown from his decision or his poor decision and is trying to make a positive impact on people's lives by the fact that he was the Mississippi State Citizen Athlete of the Year a year ago. And it was very involved in his community down there. And any, anybody in Starkville just raves about who he has become as an individual. And she said, so I felt like he deserved a second chance. I think her words more than anything held a lot of weight with Titans fans, at least willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and a second chance right out of the gate. And in terms of the injury, that's another red flag you have to deal with. I don't know if he will play this year. I think the most optimistic thought would be late October, early November. He might be able to work himself back onto the field, but he certainly won't have the impact in year one if he has any playing time at all that you would expect a first-round pick to have. But here's the thing to think about there too, Brent, is when you look at the, the just sheer talent and prospects going into the draft, I think most people think Jeffrey Simmons was a top three or four player in this draft class. Mm-hmm. And so if you take all the other stuff out, he would have gone in the top five picks, maybe as high as number three. The Titans got that guy at number 19 without having to move up, without having to do anything. They just got him there. Now, it's a risk because he may not play this year, and who knows what happens off the field if he can stay straight and all those sort of things moving forward. But if he can, and when he gets healthy, you're talking about a guy who is a game-changing type of talent that you would normally expect to get with a first or second or third overall pick in the draft, and the Titans were able to get him at 19. Yeah, and it could pay dividends down the road. I think the fair question is, are the Titans in position to be able to make that kind of luxury pick where they're not even going to get anything out of them here in year one? I think that's fair. If you're the Patriots, you can maybe totally do that. Fair. You know, if you're the Titans at 9-7, totally and seven, I'm not really sure you can do it, but uh, they probably will be They'll get something from him, and, and probably in a big way, down the road if they're able to wait it out and still be successful. Steve Lehman, hey, hope you have a happy summer, man. Enjoy the vacation time, and, and we'll see you in the fall really soon. 
You guys, too. Enjoy all the baseball and sunsets down there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Steve Lehman from News Channel See 5 you. in Nashville uh, joined us here on the program as he does periodically, does a great job uh, covering the Titans and all things Nashville. See, he's on the hashtag Battle of the Sunsets. Oh, is he really? you should get on it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good, it. man. I've, I'm, I've, seen, I've seen sunsets before. I'm uh, good. Thank uh, you. Sunsets are great. Yeah, um, I mean... They're great. I am going to be rich off Battle of the Sunset some way, somehow. So what does like the winner get if they have the best one? Nothing. Yet. Oh. Well then no, I'm not, I'm not gonna play along. I need some I need a financial backer. Okay, I got you. A little sponsorship. <laughs> Maybe some kind of like uh, <laughs> some tan lotion or something like that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm with you, man. I gotta work on this. I got your back. Uh, all right. When we come back, our twenty fifth season series continues. With Thunder, Keenan McCardell, <laughs> my conversation with the Jags receiver from 1996 to 2001, coming up next. What did I say yesterday? You said not to play this one. Yeah, I said we don't want Imagine Dragons on our show, and you played Imagine Dragons. We had ACDC Thunderstruck at our disposal, and this is how you do me. See you guys later. Maybe, uh... Going out to break. God, I hope so. Seriously, this must have been the easiest song to ever write. Like, there's like six words in the whole song. Yeah. But I kind of like it. Oh, well, you would. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Cool kids like it. Yeah. People are in the gram like it. Oh, man, that's uh, that's another five bucks. Keenan McCardell, 11,700 yards, 209 games, more than 800 receptions, 63 touchdowns. This guy was pretty good. You talk about a lack of respect. I don't think Keenan McCardell gets mentioned uh, in too many circles for uh, how good he was in his career. Part of Thunder and Lightning. Yesterday, we talked to Lightning Jimmy Smith. Today, we caught up with the former Jag, Thunder, Keenan McCardell. Well, one of the great receivers in Jacksonville Jaguars history. We are celebrating our 25th season series, Keenan McCardell. We had Jimmy Smith on Monday, Keenan McCardell on Tuesday, Thunder and Lightning. Uh, can you say one without the other? It's peanut butter and jelly, isn't it? It's peanut butter and jelly all day, every day. It's Thunder and Lightning. Um, I mean, I just, you know, enjoy playing with Jimmy. Uh, he's a great friend, uh, great teammate. He's a great man. I mean, uh, he makes it fun. So, uh, you know, we made it fun together, and and we love to compete, and that's why that's why it mixes well like peanut butter and jelly. He told us on Monday, he said he owes you a phone call. You called him the other night. So you guys obviously have kept this relationship. How important is that relationship off the field to you because of what you did on the field together? It's very important. Our families know each other. Our kids know each other. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, uh, just call, check up. I was calling in to check up, say what's going on. I hadn't spoken to him for a little bit, and uh, you know he called me back like, "Hey, can you give me a call back? I'm calling you back with phone tag." So it's it's fun. Our relationship has been great on and off off the field. Even when we were playing, it's even better now. And um, it, it was never bad when we played together because we knew what we wanted to do and how we was going to do it. So uh, it's been fun. I mean, I, I I really was blessed to be able to play with him. When you're going through that 96 to 2001, you're in the middle of it. You think you're, you're good. You know you're good. You just said it. You knew what you guys were doing. As you reflect back on it, what made you guys so good as a tandem? Uh, our competitiveness. I think uh, we, we realized that you know everybody was uh, not giving us our respect, as, as we would say, and uh, we were underrated. 
nobody knew about us. It's time to put us up, put ourselves on the map, you know. And uh, every time we went out, we wanted to show people that we were the best, the best in the league, not just the best in in our division, in our conference. We wanted to show everybody that we were best in our league, and and that driving force uh, drove us to be how be as good as we were. I mean, and um, and, and it helped drive this team, those teams during during those times to be as good as we could be. Speaking of respect, do you still feel like you don't get enough? I mean, over 800 receptions, 11,000 yards. I mean, you played for a lot of different teams, but you were special, and and I'm not sure you get that respect. I'm not sure Jimmy does either from right. on a national standpoint, but uh, do you feel like people don't say Keenan McCardell's name enough? Uh, you know what? I'm comfortable with my skin, you know, and I'm comfortable with what I did over my career, um, my accomplishments speak for themselves. Uh, you know, at times, you, 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 if you get into the, the, the thing about being disrespected, it could overwhelm you and, and take you somewhere else. I'm comfortable with what I did. I know what I did. I know when I step out on the field that I would get, I, I get the respect that I that I deserve. Even when I when I played, I get the respect that I deserve. And when I see guys that I played against, it's like, man, playing you guys. We know it was going to be a day's work. Uh, so, you know, I'm comfortable with what I, who I am. Um, but the tandem that me and Jimmy are and was, you can't knock it. And they don't they don't respect that. And I think if you put our numbers against anybody, we'll, we'll, we'll be right there. Yeah, well said. Uh, Thunder and Lightning, I was trying to think of this coming in today. I'm not sure which one I'd rather be. Uh, you you enjoyed the thunder roll though, didn't you? I enjoyed the thunder roll. It, it was fun, um, a lot of dirty work, but I enjoyed it. And you know, sometimes thunder makes a lot of noise, but lightning makes a big strike. And uh, it worked together. It worked for us, and uh, we enjoyed it. We 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 lived it. We loved it. Our fans loved it. They made us, you know, and not to say that Mark wasn't the rain because he made it rain when it was time to rain. So uh, it was fun. I said this to Jimmy yesterday. I think uh, really you guys, but Jimmy, too, uh, either individually or together, might be the most irreplaceable position we've seen in this franchise's history if you look at since you guys left the organization. Uh, It went from 2005 to for 10 years without a thousand yard receiver. And you guys were racking up thousand yards every year almost. Why has it been so hard to replace you guys from a production standpoint here in Jacksonville? You know what? I think it's consistency being on the field all the time. I mean, that's one thing we prided ourselves in in being is being at work every day, being on the field every day, because we knew if we get this, this was our thought process. We get gave anybody a chance to replace us, they would replace us. So and that comes from our background. So we we decided that and we made it clear that we wasn't going to be replaced and we were going to be the best. At, at doing it and you only get better when you're on the field so that was one of the reasons and then you know I, I like the phrase uh, Big, Big Catchman uh, he told me this he said you guys are going to devastate this franchise when you guys leave just like Lance Swan and John Starwood devastated the Pittsburgh franchise because they will never see as much production as you guys put put up in the same way Lance Swan and uh, uh, John Starwood did in Pittsburgh and I was like yeah right Vic but now it's been a long time, but it's time to change that, you know, because I'm the receiver coach. It's time to change it. So uh, I would love to change it and um, get that thing going again like we had it. What a great segue. All it right. transitions right into what you're doing now. Yes. Do you have some of those guys? Do you feel like any of these guys can emerge in 2019? And maybe it even takes a couple more years. You know what? I think so. I mean, we have a lot of talent, a lot of guys that are hungry, competitive, 
that's the biggest thing. They, they'll tell you, I preach competitiveness. You got to be a competitor out on the field each and every day. You're being evaluated. Uh, I want to put enough pressure on the guys that, that are in front from the guys that's backing them up to say, hey, if you step out, I step in, you might not get your job back. And then that's the kind of competitiveness that we need, the competition that we need uh, at the position. And, it, and competition <laughs> breeds, breeds success, you know. As they say, uh, iron sharpens iron, and that's what we need. Give me a quick rapid-fire scouting report. Marquise Lee was over here talking when he comes back from injury. What do you like about his game? I love that he's an alpha dog. I mean, he's... He's my dog in the room. Uh, he sets the tone for me. He, he gives the, the room the tone. He gives them the attitude that we need. Uh, can't wait to get him back. Uh, you know, he's he's doing great on his rehab. I hope he continues to do that. And believe me, we're, we're, we, we can't wait till he get back. Chris Conley. He's doing well, man. I mean, a good, a good addition. Came in and understood the playbook. And what he does best is compete every day. And that's what I love about him. DJ Chark, young guy. <laughs> young guy, he's coming, man. He's uh, he's on the come, as they say. Um, it's it's about what the next step for him. Uh, how do you make the progression to being uh, every down guy or uh, all role guy? So I think he understands his role. And he knows he has to make plays every time his uh, his his numbers call as he could. He, as I always say, you got to be the pinch hitter when we when, when you get up to bat. You got to hit every time. D.D. Westbrook. Hey, a big-time playmaker. I can't wait to, you know, get him involved in his offense. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, this offense, it, it, it could thrive on a, a great inside receiver, which he is. Uh, I mean, just him with the ball, his run after the catch and all that. So I think, uh, you know, Didi's who he is. He's going to be that playmaker. Keelan Cole? I'm looking for a bounce-back year from him. Uh, he's, you know, he's uh, – doing well uh he understands his role you know and i told him it's just one day at a time get better don't worry about this don't worry about that you just go play football can terrell Pryor help you i know you just had him for a couple days but i only had him two days and i like what i'm seeing Uh, i think he can he's a veteran that has has put up a thousand yards in this in this in this league before he understands how to play he's extremely smart so when you get a veteran like that that can come in and play all the positions and be talented, yeah, uh, it, it helps you out a lot. Two more for you to let you go. Uh, you're coaching. You were meant to be Thunder and, and be a receiver in the NFL, and, and you did fantastic at it. Life after football, are you meant to do this? You worked hard to go up the coaching ranks, and now here you are. Do you feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing? I enjoy it. It I does. I mean, uh it's football. Football's been my life. Uh, football's been great to me. It's given me a lot of things, and it continues to give me a lot of things. And I got to give back to it uh, as much as it's given me. And this part, this part of it. I mean, being out here with the fellas, the coaching staff is unbelievable. We got great friends. We're great friends. We we work hard. We celebrate. We have our disappointments together, but we know how to come back and make it happen. You know, that's why it's a big family in there. And uh, just to be around the guys again, it's, it's been fun. And to learn football each and every day has is, is, is been a blessing. Lastly, and we'll get you inside, uh, Tom Coughlin. You've seen two different incarnations, although I don't know if there are two different incarnations <laughs> of Tom Coughlin. Can you give folks an understanding of what it was like to play for him and now what it's like in this role that he's in and your role that you're in? He's a He's intense. He's a competitor. Just as much as you are a competitor out on the field, he's just as much as a competitor when he was a coach. Uh, now he's in the president's role. I mean, he's still a competitor. He still <laughs> says what he has to say to you. Uh, and he just expects you to come out every day and work hard. Because if you work hard, you're going to get better. Guys got to understand that about him. 
All he wants you to do is go out and, and work hard each and every day, and you'll get what you deserve at the end of the end of the week. Uh, that's a win or a loss. If you don't work hard, he'll tell you, you know, we didn't deserve to win. If you if you go out there and bust your butt and do the things that we're supposed to do, we deserve to win. And that's that's what it's all about. It's coming out every day, doing your best, perfecting your craft, and that's how he is. One of the best in Jags history, Keenan McCardell. Thanks for the time, man. Oh, thank you. There he is, Keenan. By the way, I asked him his uh, best memory. Uh, after the interview, he said, he said 96. He was thinking hard through a bunch of those. And remember, Jimmy yesterday said the block for Fred Taylor on uh, the big run against Miami Dolphins. And there are so many memories. Yeah, remember, Keenan McCardell played for a bunch of teams, too. Won a couple of Super Bowls. He actually got a Super Bowl ring with the Redskins, even though he was on injured reserve and never even played early in his career back in 1991. And in Tampa with John Gruden. Mm-hmm. They won a Super Bowl. Yep. So uh, he's had memories outside of Jacksonville as well, but uh, will long be remembered here in Jacksonville. Goes to, we start off this series by saying, how the heck do you replace those two guys in franchise history that have been unable to do it in the last uh, couple of decades? And now Keenan McCardell can really have a hand in trying well, to change that. And you have to ask yourself, how do you re- replace Imagine Dragons Thunder while well, you do it with ACDC Thunderstruck? Nicely done. Coos, welcome back to the game, sir. Very good segue. Very few times on this show that Austin says, nicely done, Coos, in, a, in, a, in the same sentence. Sounds like a button. When we come back, $100 smoothie gift card as we celebrate the week of 100 shows on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Plus, a little stay in your lane. And I don't think it includes Imagine Dragons. But maybe ACDC. We'll see. It's next. Stay with us. Another generic country song. <laughs> Taking my girl down in the country roads. Summer night, fireball in the trunk, and we're Easy going. There, kids in the studio. Sorry, uh, Capri Suns in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Bad <laughs> letter. Suns in the trunk. Yeah. Very good. Good yeah. audible there. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, hey, Hunter Barco just tweeted and said, excited for my next step, be a part of Gators baseball. Road to Omaha starts now. So Hunter Barco declares he is headed to the University of Florida. Big win. Disappointing draft uh, for the left-hander from the Bowles school. Expected to be a top 40 pick and really slid down. There was a couple of reasons. There were some shoulder concerns, although the people I've talked to close to Hunter Barco say uh, there really are not concerns. He had some workouts leading up to the draft that went fine. Uh, but maybe, maybe it scared teams off. The other thing is signability. And sometimes guys ask or, or are going to ask for a good amount of money and teams are afraid they won't be able to sign them. So why waste a second round pick or a third round pick? And uh, we've been kind of in the show. So I'm not even sure if Barco has been drafted at all. Some teams will still take a chance uh, on a on a guy and draft him anyway. But uh, Hunter Barco just put out on Twitter that he is headed to the University of Florida. And so that means he'll be the next three years at Florida. And then he'll be draft eligible again if things go well uh, down the road. And Kevin O'Sullivan has a great track record of taking care of big arms. But that is a big get for Kevin O'Sullivan. 
uh, and the University of Florida to land Hunter Barco. Many people thought he was headed to the pros, and he's going ahead to Gainesville instead. So good for him. Hopefully he has a great college career. We'll continue to follow him. Also, Tyler Callahan did get drafted. J.C. Flowers did get drafted, and more probably have. They are uh, getting closer and closer to uh, the 10th round of the draft. We'll probably have a lot more locals between UNF and JU and Florida, Florida State, Miami, all the rest uh, coming up. Uh, in the next day or so as well. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here. One final segment on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I almost forgot, Coos. We're going to do this as Austin gets ready for Stay in Your Lane. Ready. We're going to give a $100 gift card away. Yesterday was our 100th show here on ESPN 690. We have made it to 101 and almost through 101, although I don't want to say that until we actually get to 557. Uh, <laughs> but give us a call, star star 690 or 904-362-9901, star star 690, 904-362-9901, and let's go with, uh, Reed, what's your favorite number? Eight. Eight. Caller nice. number eight gets a $100 gift card to Smoothie King. There you go. And uh, Reed's buying. <laughs> Sold. Let's make it happen. We'll introduce uh, the Andersons in just a moment. Let's go stay in your lane before the end of the show. Stay in your lane, Brent. I talk about hockey sometimes in the show, and let me tell you something. Don't ever tell me hockey players aren't the toughest dudes in professional sports. Last night, Charles got leveled by a puck that sent him down to the ice. While, while most people would just, I don't know, maybe call their parents and say, come pick me up, <laughs> Chara ended up playing the entire game with a broken jaw. He just put on a face mask, no big deal. Um, and then Vince Dunn, Vince Dunn, a, a guy from the St. Louis Blues who also fractured his jaw a few weeks ago um, in, in the previous series, uh, is playing right now with his jaw wired shut. Uh, I can't believe what I just said. He's playing with a broken jaw and it's wired shut. Um, make no doubt about it, man. With all respect and with all uh, you know, with all respect to football players, it doesn't get much more physical and intense than hockey. What would keep you out at this point, though? I mean, you got three games left this season: Stanley Cup Finals, a well, big time player too. Yeah, I think Char is actually out for the for the rest, though. I think it's so bad where they can't do anything. Oh, so for he it. is out. Yeah, that, that's kind Great, of the so rumor speculating, up, but yeah. But I mean, it's not smart to do that. Yeah, listen, I've never broken my jaw before. I, I bruised it, and it sucks. So I can't imagine the type of pain that he was going through. Um, all right, let's ask you that. Let's help see how mean you are. Okay. All right, yeah. especially like if you were in, so. Chara's got his jaw wired shut. You're a St. Louis Blues player. Mm-hmm. You given a little forecheck to the little, face. Little right there, Fred. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Why not, man? It's hockey. You know, there's a little gamesmanship there, right? Uh, and to be fair, since we have my tryouts coming up, I think with the Jackson Weissman, I might be the only guy that wears a full cage, and I'll get made fun of for it, but I am not taking a puck to the chin, sir. There's no way about it. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Let's pump your brakes. All right. Pump your brakes. Uh, Boston Celtics. Look. I'm all for mixing sports and entertainment. It happens with wrestling. It happens in fighting. But for the love of God, please do not let professional athletes go on the bachelorette. Coos, hit me with that audio. Scary Terry and Jalen Brown, two of the best guys in the league. I the am the queen. I am basketball champion. I am a Celtic. Awesome. We have so much fun together. What do you think I should look for? I mean, somebody that makes you laugh. Somebody that's going to accept you for your flaws and your beauty. I feel you. That's right. why I've been preaching. Oh, good. <laughs> 
Look, don't tell me that I shouldn't watch professional wrestling. It's boring if you watch The Bachelorette. Yeah, don't. Okay, The it's Bachelorette the is, is the most scripted thing you're ever going to see. Um, I haven't seen an episode, but I bet there's a sleazeball this year that nobody likes. I bet there's a guy who uh, leaves on his own will and breaks the girl's heart. And I bet there's a guy that's got a girlfriend at home. I mean, that's pretty much the standard I, three. I won't say what I really think about this show because we have kids in the room. Okay, but what you, uh, if in case you didn't see the video, Jalen Brown is also giving the lady advice about who to pick for a winner. And I can't help but think the whole time that Jalen Brown is talking to her that he's going to fire his agent because he does not look too impressed to be on The Bachelorette himself. So professional athletes, man, stay away. It's the worst show on TV. I can't believe uh, unless it's your name's it Clay way. Harbor because Clay Harbor was on there too. Clay Harbor was, former Jaguar, yeah. on the show. All right, uh, we have some guests. The Andersons are here. Uh, Nolan Reed, Cole, Ava, right? Did I get that right? I hope so because I, call. Uh, I well I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, man, pretty impressive. <laughs> There's no way I was remembering that through like a whole nother segment. Uh, somebody's in front of the microphone. Uh, Nolan, right? Ah, man, in, now in the I'm hot on seat. fire. Uh, does he need the? Uh, yeah, give him the headphones. Give him the Austin awesome Lane headphones. Let's give him the full experience. Got a minute left. Uh, Nolan, you're at Creekside. Yes, sir. All right, uh, big big football fan. You wrestle a little bit. Yes, sir. What do you think about the Jags? Are they going to do well this year? Oh, they're going they're going straight to the AFC Championship. No, no okay. Big time analysis. I like that. That's a prediction. Maybe we should make a bet with Nolan. Let's do it. All, All right. right. No, uh, how much money for got? Nolan? Okay. No, no we're we're Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get Reed in there. He just gave away a one hundred dollar uh, smoothie gift card. He's buying. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, what's happening, man? You a uh, wrestler? Yes. And some football, right? Yes. Yeah, what, what position? Oh, winter. Uh, mostly center. Center? Reed, what's your go-to takedown in wrestling? Um, I double leg. Double? Ooh. Oh, good okay. stuff. All right. That's a good answer. We're getting short on the show, so we got to get Cole in here. Brent doesn't know what double leg is, by the way. I have no idea. <laughs> Don't try it on me, Reed. <laughs> Cole, I'm excited for Cole because you're going to Cooperstown this year for uh, 12U baseball, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, you guys have a fun team? Yeah. It's going to be the best week of your life, okay? All right. Yeah, you'd be surprised, but okay. Don't put any pressure. Just normal swing. Try to hit a single, and the ball will go out of the yard. Hey, I'll tell you right now, man. Chicks take the long ball. Swing for the fences every single time, okay? <laughs> All right. Listen to me. I have the swag on the show. All, All right. right. Good luck, man. All right. Let's get Ava in there real quick. There's four of the Andersons. Well, mom yeah. and dad, too. And they're not getting in front of the mic. That's the think. most dangerous sport out of any of them, including myself, too. Horseback riding. Yeah. No yes. way. What, I do do horseback. What kind of horseback? English? Um, I do both, a little bit of both. I started off on English, but then I kind of transitioned to Western for Western's a little bit. Western's cool because you can wear the cowboy hat. I've never worn a cowboy hat, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want to. Come on. You got to wear the cowboy hat. You don't it. have a hat? Mom and dad, get her a hat. <laughs> I have a hat. I just don't. I, I wouldn't wear it. While All I'm right. I love it. I love what's, it. What's your favorite kind of horse? All of them. I think they're all great. All right. Um, Good stuff. Well, thanks, guys, for stopping in, listening to the show, and getting a little tour of radio and TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, Glad to have the Andersons here. And uh, good luck uh, in your sports seasons. Get a cowboy hat or cowgirl hat, Mm -hmm. I should probably say. Um, And hit a home run in Cooperstown, all right? Can we count on one of you guys to come in for the show if Coos is out? Uh, for some reason. All right, we'll give you guys a oh, call. Oh, by the way, Austin takes every Friday off now, so you can come in. Hey, it's that's a summer true. schedule. It's a good point. All right. Uh, hey, that will do it. Keenan McCardell, good to have him on. Steve Lehman, John Harris, the Anderson family, Stuart Weber for Austin Lane and Coos. I'm Brett Martineau. We'll do it again tomorrow. Another special guest. You'll know the name. Make sure to check it out 3 to 6 on ESPN 690.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.